You're listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. This show is long-form, one-on-one conversations with veterans in the arts. This show is produced by Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative platform for veterans to create compelling live theater and events. My guest this week was Ava Aston. Uh, Ava, you may remember, if you were at the Savage Wonder Festival, she opened the festival by singing the Star Spangled Banner and America the Beautiful. Um, you may also remember her name coming up when I talked with her husband, Keith Rousseau, on the show, whatever that was, a month or two ago. I wanted to talk to Ava for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, as somebody that's married to a, a you know veteran, especially a veteran with a service-connected injury, um, you know, she certainly was eligible. She certainly was, uh, uh, yeah, has been a prolific singer and songwriter. Uh, she's a staple at just about every veterans event this side of the Hudson River. Um, and so, you know, uh, just on one level, on a very superficial level, you know, that made sense for me to talk to Ava. But there, that really is the most superficial reason. The, the deeper reasons was... Um, after talking with Keith, I was really impressed with the nature of the marriage that Ava has with Keith. Um, it's certainly a marriage that has had a lot of um, trauma, a lot of unfortunate accidents and, and things that have occurred. And the fact that they've, you know, continued to overcome them and overcome them together. And as I think I told Keith in the, in, in the episode I did with him, as I may have said in Ava in this episode too, I can't remember. Um, I was really impressed with how they have each other's backs and the support that they give to each other. That um, is really sweet to see. It's so difficult, I think, for artists to be married to each other and for them to have, uh, you know, not just been married, but had this very flourishing marriage and a supportive marriage that's allowed them each to find their niches is, is impressive and a really enviable accomplishment. Mm. So that was another reason that I wanted to talk to Ava. And then on top of it, Ava's just awesome to talk to. Um, it was the first time she and I really been able to sit down and talk at length when we weren't, you know, screaming over speakers or trying to get her lined up to go on stage or anything like that. And just to be able to sit down and talk with her, um, she's just, you know, a badass chick with great gift and, um, who loves to talk. So, um, you know, there was that reason as well. So I was glad we could get Ava on. I was glad we could, um, chat. I want to say a little something about kind of how this show went. It's so funny. You never know how these shows are going to go. Um, you know, I ask guests before we go on air if there's anything they don't want me to ask about, don't want to talk about anything like that. Um, and Ava, like most of our guests, was like, no, I'm cool. I'm an open book. So as a result, you never really know which way that ball is going to bounce. And in Ava's case, um, like some other guests, I'm thinking of um, Mason Roderig, uh certainly has had this. Um, Anthony Torres, I guess, a little bit had this. Um, I don't know. We've had some guests that occasionally will veer into the socio-political. Um, and in Ava's case, she has incredibly strong feelings about COVID and 
health policy and all the rest of it. Uh, that is not the wheelhouse that this show tries to stay in. Um, but I'm kind of guided by the fact that if the artist I'm talking to feels particularly wound up about a certain issue, I want to hear them out and I want to hear what they have to say because there's no, clearly it's matters enough to that person that, uh, it's worth hearing what they have to say, especially for how it can impact their art. So I always try to let people talk a little bit and I, um, usually hold fire on my opinions, um, you know, and, and what have you, uh, cause that's not always super relevant, but I want to hear what they have to say. Um, because if they're that motivated to talk about it when they have their choice of, of topics and subject matter that we could get into then I think it's worth uh, hearing what they have to say. Um, now that said, I mean, neither Ava or I are a doctor or a health professional or anything like that. So, uh, you know, you guys will probably hear, <laughs> I don't always want to stay in that space indefinitely because um, I think uh, we can get out of our depth pretty quickly and I want to stay in, in what the meat and potatoes of this show is supposed to be about. But I definitely want to give voice uh, to someone's opinions um, so that we can understand, you know, have a more 360 degree understanding of the artist as an individual and what is motivating them and where they're coming from. And in Ava's case, as I said to her on the show, it's interesting. Um, you know, she, uh, she came off to me, um, frustrated and angry. And I, and like, we're having a great conversation. Like it, she's just, I, I really am a fan of hers. I think she's just, uh, I'm always impressed with people that, um, with artists that are tenacious and have, are constantly overcoming obstacles and, um, and triumphing. And Ava is certainly, um, that, but I kept noticing this undercurrent of, um, anger. And, uh, when we got into the COVID stuff, I started to understand why that was there. And, um, and then it started to make sense. And that's why I think, you know, it's just kind of, uh, it's important to let people talk um, without judgment. Just kind of let them say what's on their mind, and um, and I personally hope Ava gets in the damn recording studio soon. I and as you guys will hear me tell her in the in the um, show, you know um, the material that she's been working on that I think um, is very personal and um, covers some of the trauma that she's lived through. I think it's incredibly important. I think if you're an artist and you have a gift anyway, um, you, you gotta, you, you gotta be singing and, and, or, you know, creating that, which really motivates you. The, the stuff that you mutter to yourself in the, in the mirror in the morning should not be confined there. If you're an artist, if you're an artist, you should find a way to, to leverage that and push that out there, <clears throat> whether that's <clears throat> popular, unpopular, um, on brand, off brand, whatever. Um, then your brand needs to change to encompass, I think, what you are about. And if that's a big part of your identity, then that needs to kind of be out there. And I think, uh, so I hope Ava gets in the, in the studio with this new stuff soon. I think that would be interesting and exciting for her. Um, but again, just a great time talking. Uh, I mean, we, we could have easily done, you know, it's, it's often the case. I say this on, on almost every show, but you know, we could have done so many more hours. Uh, and in Ava's case, um, you know, I feel like we just scratched the surface of so many topics. And uh, anyway, 
I think you guys are going to be in for a real treat. Um, it's great to have, uh, it was great to have Ava on and I look forward to the next time. I don't think there's any other housekeeping I need to do. So with that said, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director at veterans repertory theater. And this is the savage wonder of Ava Aston. Right, Ava, we're live. What's up? I love the cat seat in the window. <laughs> I know that's a really great image. So, what is that? That's a cat seat that you have in your it's window. A cat. It's a cat. Um, oh, you're spoiling the hell out of her. Is it her well, or I have him? Five. I have five of them. Five cats. Wow. Yeah, and three. So and three dogs. So, if you don't have a little hammock for them, you're probably going to get run out of the house anyway, right? You have to. Oh yeah, there's there's all, more. There's they're very hammocks. demanding. I bet. There's wall wall things sticking out of the walls. They get to climb all over so they don't destroy your furniture. It's interior design. Yeah, at that point. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I like it. No, it's a great visual to have in the back. Um, do you have animals? Yeah, we do. We have, um, God, we're like fucking Dr. Doolittle's house now. Uh, we, what do okay, we Okay. So you- well, yeah, it's some of it's intentional. Some of it's by accident. We've got dogs. We've got a cat temporarily. We're in the process of acquiring goats and chickens and whales. I don't know. We're getting fucking everything. We got it, there's so much stuff that we're loading in, um, which I like. But you know, my kid loves animals, and my wife has a hard time saying no to them, and so we end up with animals. I don't know. Okay, that's well, kind of how it works. I hope the cat stays. The cat is adorable. True story, funny story, true story. We almost lost the cat last night. We had no idea where the cat was. The cat's not supposed to be outside. My wife yeah. was in the woods looking for the cat for like an hour or two. Went to bed, woke up this morning. The cat was under laundry or something all night and never the cat's hiding because respond- it was scared. I guess. I, I don't know yeah. what it was. It, it doesn't seem like she'd be scared. Like she seems like she's gotten over it, but I don't know. Cats are, um, I really like cats and I've really started to bond with them, but I don't trust them. I'm afraid there. I'm just like, there's, there's that in, innate primal predatory instinct. I'm like, you're going to turn on me at some point. You're going to turn around. Something's going to scratch or bite me out of nowhere. And it's no. going to trip me out. I don't know. I, I, I wish I could be more comfortable with it. My kid like throws them up in the air, wrestles them, like has a great time with them. So I'm why like, is the cat there temporarily? I don't understand. It's her sister-in-laws or oh, my so sister-in-laws. Baby- it's my sister. Are you babysitting the cat? We're babysitting the cat. And the oh, cat, the cat okay. has made herself right at home. The cat comes up and eats my cereal. If I'm not looking cat okay. chases our chihuahua around and the chihuahua chases her. Okay. You know, I, I mean, they, she's, she seems to be assimilating nicely, but yeah, she is a, she is definitely a different, a different beast. Um, well, watch out. You might end up one day, wake up and then all of a sudden you have five. Is that how it happened for you? Do you do it? Was it a natural progression or did suddenly just five of them parachute into your life? Well, we've always had the dogs. We've always been rescuing dogs, fostering dogs. And um, what happened was I, one day I was working out in the basement and I, this was like in 2015 and I opened the back door for some reason. And there's this cat out there. Yeah. Like a little tuxedo cat, just meowing at me. And I did not really know anything about cats, except that they meowed and that they use litter. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, and I love animals. So I, you know, went and got some food and fed her. She had like this half of her ear was missing. I didn't know at the time. That means that they're tipped, that they're trapped, neutered, and released. 
So somebody had done that and released her in our yard. So I started feeding her. It was like three years later, make a very long story short. We had, if you recall the, um, we had a nor'easter back in 2018. Remember in March? Yes. Yes. I, I just missed it. I actually came off a deployment in the first week of March in 2018. Okay. Okay. Well, good thing you did miss it. (laughs) A tree fell on Keith's Jeep and totaled it, but we lost a lot of trees. Yeah. It was pretty bad. And so she got scared when they were doing the cleanup and she went away. So I didn't see her for like 90 days. I thought she was dead. And you got to understand, I had a real bomb of this cat. Like I sing all my animals have their own song. So I had her, she had a song and she would come when I called her and I thought she was dead. And all of a sudden one day I was walking around the block with Keith and I was like, I hope, am I ever going to see Sylvia again? You know, and I started singing her song. We get home, the front door is open. All of a sudden he's like, hey, get over here. She was on the front porch and she was wow. like real skinny and she, she came back. But anyway, then I trapped her after a couple of months after she got, and I got her in the house. But how we got cats was our first cat was inside was Jackson. He was a little feral cat at my mom's house. We came back from vacation in Greece and we took him. And then about a year later, there was a cat in a box at Petco you know how they have them for adoption. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. black cat and, and Jackson's yeah. a black cat. And um, I was like, oh, well, he needs a friend. So I adopted her. She's <laughs> the only one that's not feral. And then our third cat is technically Sylvia because that's when she came in. So okay. she came in third, but I had actually her first. Gotcha. And then, the see, when you you ball. should know when you ask yeah. a Greek person a question, it's going to be a long question. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I'm down here. And then it. we rescued another feral cat that we were feeding, Grayson. Uh, I was feeding him in the yard. He had boxes like feral uh, feet. See, had that's a what it station. is. You're feeding them. You're attracting animals. So you're naturally. You have to feed them. You can't, you can't <laughs> let them go. I mean, so I had a what? feeding station and I had, he had houses all over the yard, but he injured himself. So when he injured himself, I had to bring him in. I had to take him to that. And then our fifth cat, I just brought in in March. She was outside. I was feeding her. And then one day I just opened the door and she came inside. So I had her in the basement separated and I got her tested and all that. And funny story about her was I took her to get her spayed. She was, they put her to sleep and she was already spayed. She already had a tattoo, but she wasn't tipped. So somebody. Uh, so what, they forgot the third step or something? They either or either she was somebody's pet and she got out uh, or. Um, oh, you're she, just you know, kidnapping just, people's pets that are maltreated. Is that what's happening? No. 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 Wait. Oh, I got to back up. There's a there's a couple of tidbits I don't want to let lie there. So first off, tell me about the songs for the animals. Are these? I'm assuming these are not for public release. These are things that you are. You're just. just, Is it a call? Is it a bat signal for them, or do they know the song, or is it just something you use yourself? Do they? Everybody. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, because. Since I was little, when I started talking, that's when I started singing. And I, I would just, you know, I don't play any instruments. I, the songs I make them up in my head. So I, I do the same thing with the animals. Like, you know, like Sylvie's is Sylvie cat, you know, so I, I'll sing them if you want me to, but <laughs> their own song. It's your call. Hey, it's your episode. Whatever way, if, if you like it, you're born welcome kitty to Kitty cat, kitty cat. Kitty, 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 cat, kitty, and, cat, and it's like that. Oh, yeah. That's her song. Wait, and she, did she respond to it? Does she actually, will oh, she yeah. poke her head out if she hears you singing yeah, it? Yeah, well, she, yeah. And as a matter of fact, if we're away, 
which isn't very often because my mom wants to kill me when I want her to watch all the animals. Um, <laughs> Sylvia has hyperthyroid, so she has to have medicine twice Ooh. a day. Ooh, and yeah. so she'll hide because, you know, the feral cats, they're in the house. But that's not the same thing as a kitten where you can pick up and touch it and hold it. Right, right. It's at their, when they're in the mood, you can't, it's not the same thing as a regular cat. So she'll hide. And so my mom will actually put, call me and put me on speaker and she'll say, can you sing Sylvie's oh, song? Such a pain so in she'll the ass. come. Oh, no wonder do your medicine. mom doesn't want to do it. Oh, that's such a pain in the ass. Oh, I don't blame <laughs> I'm her. I'm with your mom. You next time we go away. Yeah, right. My yeah. My God, we're, we're losing our minds with what we have. We'll run the other way. You have one dog. That, and one cat you're babysitting. No, no, we got three dogs. We got we got dogs oh. for. I get no sleep. Like they're you know a chipmunk is moving outside. They got to let everybody know about it. And then they're outside, uh, you know, running around during the day. We have three but dogs night. now. We're down to three. Oh, you guys are worse. You're more Doolittleish than we are. You're, you're we out had of control. Six at one point. Yeah, that's insane. Do you have songs for the dogs too? They, everybody has a song. Everybody's Every got. Every single. Does Keith have a song? Actually, Keith does have a song. I wrote a song about Keith a week after we met each other. Oh, get out of here. Seriously? No, it's my, yeah, it's called I Adore You. It's on my, it's in my music. Okay, so it's published. It's, it's out there. It's for the public. Yeah. It is. Okay, all right. Gotcha. I mean, if you go look at my music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does, yeah. does he does he respond to it? Does he, do you ever use it to bludgeon him and go, hey, remember, yeah. I wrote a song for you, dude. Like, hey, you know. Yeah. He doesn't need any bludgeoning. I mean, to be honest with you, he's one of those people, which you already know because you interviewed him, that is disgustingly good at everything. And the worst part about him is he doesn't like I'm the one that's like, you know, getting, you know, excited and I'm the Greek one. And he's he never gets mad about anything like this guy. He's just I don't know how to explain it. It's like a ball of happiness and sweetness. He like he's. He just doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And that's why the marriage works, right? That's why you He's guys like, have each other's yeah. back. And like, like, I remember that when we met, the thing that the, my takeaway from what we met more than anything you guys said was I was like, the first thing, like you came over when we were at the YIT fundraiser and you came over and you were like, oh yeah, I, you want to ask about Savage Wonder. And the, like the first thing you said is, you know, Keith is an artist. Blah, blah. And I was like, wow, they really have each other's backs. Like they mm -hmm. are like, you're not thinking about yourselves. You're thinking about each one of you was thinking about the other one. Um, and I think, I don't know. Have you met a lot of couples that are both artists and making it in the arts? Cause I feel like that's a, that's a rare, that's not just a rare grouping pairing, but that's also rare qualities that you find with two artists who can make it work for the long term. I think that's you know, what's weird is that we're both. We're both left-handed Virgos, so I don't know if that. Boy, I don't that's know. a it's, that's a hell of a baseball card to fill out. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of. Wow, <laughs> what do you do with that yeah. information? Yeah, that's crazy. Did you know that yeah. right off the bat? No, actually, well, when we met, uh, we met at an audition, and it was his first audition out of school. I don't know if he told. I remember Keith, this. Keith told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah. I I'm five years older than him, so. Um, I did lie to him when we first met because he's like, how old are you? And I was like, yeah, me too. But, um, what well, is an audition? You, know, you are supposed to lie a little, right? I mean, you can't, you can't just come in. You, you got your game face on. You can't, you can't. You well, know. we didn't, we didn't get to audition for it because they cut well, you it said, off. Like, you said, you guys never got to, but you're in that headspace where you're like, 
you know, anybody asks you your age in an audition, of course you're going to lie. Like nobody's ever. I never tell anybody my age. No, I actually, anymore, I do tell, I'm happy, I'm proud to say my age, but just because of the nature of the industry, you know, Mm, if you're over 26, you might as well just go, you know, dig a hole and die. And it's been that way for quite some time. So, well, sometimes it goes the other way. I got, I remember, um, you want to hear a war story really quickly? It's so stupid. This is, this is like, I don't have many of these, but, um, when I was living in LA, I got a call back for, uh, wait, can I say, I, I'm trying to think if I'm diming anybody out. Well, I, I got a callback for there will be blood. And, um, okay. when they were casting that and I went in and I auditioned for, uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and, um, and I came back a couple of times and then my agent said, Hey, the next time you go back, they're going to ask you what your age is. Do you got to lie to them? You got to be younger. Cause at the time I think I was 30 or something. And they were like, yeah, you like tell him he does not have the right to ask that. And I was like, okay. And I was really bad about listening to my agent. I went back and he asked me my age and I was like, and I told him, and I was like, yeah. dude, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. This is, this is how old I am, but I'm like, look, if I'm playing younger, if I'm reading yeah. younger bitching. And he was like, Hey, thanks a lot for being honest, man. He's like, not a lot of people would. And he's like, and we'll see you. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it's I'm not really, saying I'm not saying I would have gotten it anyway. I'm not saying that, but I know it was down to I, I know it was it, we were three or four callbacks in, and I was like, and when Paul Dano got it, I was like, well, yeah, he's that age, I guess. But I was like, God damn, I fucking when I was that age, I was trying to lie about being older. Now I'm trying to lie to be younger, and it, you're always damned if you do. You're always and damned if you don't. Like, there's no good answer, and that's I think why nobody ever wants to talk about their age. Well, I just think it's irrelevant. I mean, I mean, I've written lots of blogs about this. But oh, uh, yeah, no, tell I me, just give me the speech. It's, yeah, it's here's the thing. Like, you're listening to music. What are you doing? You're listening to music. You like music because it makes you feel something. Either you feel something when you listen to the music, or you don't. It's that simple. You're not sitting there listening to it, going, "Oh, how old is this person?" It, it it's completely irrelevant. And I think that. Um, I've just seen an evolution over my lifetime of that music has kind of gotten, I mean, and I'm just going to be really honest here. It's gotten kind of sucky. I mean, there's, there's a whole like two decades where they've just taken, it's like talent really has nothing to do with it. It's more about like the image and the the branding story. And it's like, it's the song quality. Like songs are supposed to have like a verse, a chorus, a bridge. Yeah. They're supposed to take you on a journey. Same thing as a story right? Right. or a show. And anymore, it's like hook and a beat and let's, you know, auto tune. And it's like, what the, what the hell is that? Like, it's not music. Have you ever auto tuned? Have you ever done auto tune? No. I mean, actually, well, I, I don't know. Did you, I don't know. You looked at my YouTube yeah, channel or yeah, anything like yeah, that. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So I kind of have like perfect pitch. And so I, for yeah. me, whenever I record, it's pretty easy. I did do one project actually. Let me just get my CD. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm sure you've already seen them, but no, no, yeah. Just go grab for it. them. I mean, you know, we're not, we're no, there's not going to be any video with us, but yeah, but yeah, you're more we're live. Yeah. 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 So hold on. Let me just grab some of my CDs no, no, you're good. here. So I know, yeah, so you know what you're doing. We're talking about blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it's one of, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where I think, uh, I get why people do it and I don't know how I feel. I think it's funny. So I saw this on Instagram the other day. Somebody said, I uh, had a picture of Millie Vanilli and they were, and it was like Millie Vanilli, both looking really angry. And they were like, uh, 
Millie Vanilli's reaction upon seeing every kid on TikTok, you know, uh, mimic songs and, and, and lip sync. And I'm like, you know, today's ethical dilemma becomes tomorrow's media sensation anyway. So that's why I'm like, like, there's a purest part of me that'll go, oh, fucking auto tune. Who do people think you are? And the other part is like, well, I don't know if it's making people move, I guess, you know, who gives a shit? Like, whatever, you know. My thought is that, um, I guess it comes from this. Like, I feel like every person has a gift. Every person has something really beautiful and special inside of them that they're really good at. And some people like Keith, who are annoying, that's many, many, many things. Right, right, right. But most people have like one thing that that's their thing. But I feel like because of the the way, the, the state of the world that we're living in, so many people have this, I need to be famous. And it's not... Like you're the American Idol generation. And it's like so many people are singing and that's not really their gifting. Like I, for me, if you can't (laughs) sing, like, you know, people will say, oh, how do you sing the Star Spangled Banner? That's really hard. No, actually, it's not hard. And if you can't sing it, maybe you shouldn't be singing. I'm not trying to be mean. There's Mm. a million things Mm. I cannot do. I do not cook. There's a million things I'm horrible at. (laughs) But Singing is not one of them. First off, don't so you have to me, renounce your Greek heritage if you can't cook? Isn't that a violation? Are you allowed no. in any? Come on, <laughs> get out of here. I can cook spinach pie and I can cook. Um, what else can I cook? I can cook oh, spinach boy. pie. <laughs> oh, boy. The list ended quickly. That is just well, I ridiculous. Cook. I mean, wow. I'm just not a cook. I mean, I got I'm you. A, no, I got you. I got you. I mean, I, I decorate. I'm all about HGTV. I'm all about the animals. You know, I do the checkbook. You know, I'm good at those things, but like, I'm not, the cooking is not, it's for No, cheap. I got, I got <laughs> you. I mean, I'm not with the Greek consulate, so I don't care, but I, I just find that, <laughs> I find that fascinating. All right. Sorry. I got you off point. Cause you were saying, cause I think you were making a really this solid CD. Point. Yeah. Yes. About, so the auto tune. Okay. Yes. This CD I did with my cousin who I wrote these two songs with my cousin and they're like R&B-ish kind of hip hop. So the producer that we worked with, he put an effect on one of the songs. It was more for an effect. Okay. Um, and it's not really like changing or contorting my voice. It was just an effect that he did because it was that R&B kind of sound. You know, I don't know if you listen to these. No, but- I did. I did. And so here, here's what I wonder is. it? I mean, obviously, I think every generation or every decade people have been like the music now sucks. Like in the eighties, we heard that in the nineties, we heard it. Um, but yet I agree with you. I feel like that's more true now. And I'll tell oh, you why totally I think true. I, <laughs> well, it's weird because when I, in the nineties, when I would hear classic rock, I was like, Oh my freaking God, old people music. Oh my God. But now, and I saw this statistic somewhere. I can't remember where right now, there was some statistic that basically said like 70% of young people like under the age of, I don't know what, 26, 25, 70% list bands from the seventies to the nineties as their favorite, which to me means, wait, what I considered classic rock back then is still held up. Like that's Mm -hmm. still popular among like the ages can we all get get older but the young kids coming up go shit that's really the good music like there's nothing yeah because it is, it. because that's the truth that's the yeah. that's the thing you've got a you've got a conglomerate of people running the music industry who are you know churning out this same exact thing and you know i don't even use tiktok 
I, I don't even use no, them. nor should one you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Claim my name, and that was it. And then I, 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 you know, to be honest, it's all the Chinese you, government anyway. We, nobody should be on. Well, that. that's yeah, a, that, I mean, I, that that's a really manipulative platform. Social anyway. media, I, I think it's a tool. And in the early beginning, I really liked it because I could connect with people in different parts of the world that yes, have never ab- heard 100%. my music. Absolutely. But anymore, it's pretty much ruined. It's all, it's going to go the way and Facebook is going to be MySpace any day now. And it's like, you can't even connect with your friends. And so for me anymore, it's kind of more of a burden. I mean, I do put my, I do put something creative out every day, but I'm not all about like, Hey, I had this for dinner. Right. Right. Something creative every day. That's the difference. Not necessarily something just content for the sake of content, but something actually creative on brand. And your brand is professional. It's what you do as opposed to, hey, yeah, look at me. I'm, yeah, brushing my teeth and I need to share that with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, no, go go ahead. No, no, you go. The closest thing I can say that I've ever done like that is when I started doing the acapella videos. And for me, they were more um, therapy because of the car accidents and the getting the brain injury and stuff like that. And so I was trying to hold on to being able to do something singing wise when I wasn't able to. And so for me, they were more therapy. And so I guess that those acapella videos may not mm. be, you know, like my professional CDs, but they're, I, people were asking me to say, yes. so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And that's really the only thing for me, that's like, I guess, TikTok ish is me standing sure, in my basement sure. singing a song. But that's know? also, I mean, I, I think there's a value. There's a difference in values. If you're getting validation from what you post on social is different than if you're expressing yourself on social. And in other words, you're delivering a product because you want to give something out versus I'm giving it out because I want the validation or a therapeutic value sometimes perversely that you think you're getting from the feedback on social. I think that's a, those are two different values. Does that kind of make sense? Am I articulating? This yeah. Oh, they are. Well? And, and I feel like we have, um, I guess I didn't say this before, but there's a whole grouping of people, I guess in all ages that somehow because of what the entertainment industry puts out in the world, and I'm talking TV, radio, you know, movies, music, mm-hmm. They don't feel that they have value unless they're famous. And that's very sad. You know, where are yep. the doctors and the lawyers and the and the astronauts and the and the you know the 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 people of tomorrow going to be if everybody feels like they don't have value unless they're famous? That's so sad. I mean well, this is this is also, and uh, this is getting. Uh, I'll I'll make this the far left limit of how eggheady we'll get on this. But I, there's that famous Yuval Levin uh, article that he wrote a couple of years ago in I can't remember which publication, but anyway, but where he said one of the biggest differences today is that people aren't being changed by the institutions they join, but they're instead using those institutions to brand themselves and build their personal branding. So as opposed to going and joining the 4-H club or VFW or even the military and going, yep, that's making me into something else. Instead, they're taking what that institution has to offer and making it part of their personal brand. And that and the shift in emphasis between that, where now you're not um, allowing yourself to grow from your association with other people and build on the intelligence and the history and the, the legacy 
of people that came before you. Instead, you're pulling it down to your experience and going, how can I use this to build my personal brand? And there is, again, it's never 100%, but just the fact that the, the, the balance is skewed more towards that individual using it for their personal branding as opposed to being influenced um, by the institutions that they join. I think that there's so many second and third order effects that I think that leads to. And that actually makes me wonder, based off what you're talking about, for you, would you have rather been born 30 years earlier where you're, where you're going into an industry where there are such strong gatekeepers that you have to make, you have to clear a certain hurdle, or is it better to be right now where it's egalitarian? where your personal brand is whatever you want to make of it. And it's as strong or as weak as you choose to brand it. But the problem is you're with a whole lot of crap and there's a lot of white noise out there that you have to poke your head above. Which one? Well, here's I mean, the thing. There's still there, to be, uh, to be honest with you, I would have been like to be in great Sinatra day and age. I mean, that's, that's where I would have liked to have been because that's my, to be honest, mm-hmm. my favorite kind mm-hmm. of music. Um, mm-hmm. But the gatekeepers I think they're even worse now than they were. And the problem is, is what they're looking for is oh, nothing special. The, you know, we're celebrating mediocrity. We've literally been celebrating mediocrity for like probably 20 years since, since the beginning of the two thousands, we start we celebrate mediocrity. It's not I'm, like I'm, I'm open to that argument. Give me some examples though. What, like what, some examples. what do you think? Well, you know, just TikTok, uh, Instagram. You can be famous on Instagram just because you 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 start out posting your 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 dinner and your and your bikini and your whatever have you. And that mm-hmm. does that mean that you have a talent? Not really. Um, I think you know, I think it means you can you can, but only for the difference. I think between an artist like yourself and somebody that's just going to be flash famous for a, a five minute window is that they can't sustain it. Because you can put out product, you can do something every day, and or and even if it's just social every day, that's one thing. But you're putting out albums, you're consistently putting out content, and it's all going to be of a certain quality. Whereas somebody can do like be some guy that does one prank and gets a million hits, but how repeatable is that, and how sustainable is that repeatability? Well, I get that, but the thing is, is that when you have people that are the gatekeepers that are whole, you know. That are, mm-hmm. you know, a certain amount of people own all the record labels, most of them. Right. right and it's right, like right, you can't right. get through to them because they're looking for that fast hit. And then it, you can see by them continually putting out the same type of artists. They, but also, you don't even, need them, but you don't need them as, as much as you used to. You don't need the record labels. You don't as need much them, but at to, the right? same time, here's the, here's the kicker. And the, not to sound negative. No, but, no. Because I'm always looking for the positive. But the, but the reality is, I can put stuff out, but because of the algorithms and because of what they're doing, because Facebook mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. type of social media used to be organic. So yes. like on my page, for example, I have 16,000 people. They don't see all my 16,000 people don't see my post. 1% of those people see my post. And the, and the trick is the more, the less they see, the less they engage, the less they engage, the less they yeah. show them. And it's a, it's a yeah. downward sp- yeah. spiral. Unless you're somebody who has a label behind you, who's paying for the you know the advertising to be in the feed they're not going to see that so you know they they're constantly putting out the same type of thing and so yeah i can put content out and i do but it's not going to have the same 
unless I, you know, win the lottery tomorrow or get a backer or do something, you know, where I'm able to reach more people, I have a certain amount of organic and I'm kind of stuck in the middle because I started my social media when it was organic. So I have those yeah. people, but half of the yeah. time they don't, they, they're like, whatever happened to you? They'll right. see something. Oh, I just saw your thing. And it's like, I haven't seen it in two years. Where That's are you? Crazy. I've been, I've been here, you know, I didn't go anywhere. Um, but you know, the, the labels and it's the same thing like with the shows, like people will say yeah. to me, one thing that drives me nuts, I'll say, Oh, Hey, how come you don't ever try out for the voice? And I'm like, geez, I never thought of that. You know, I'm so glad you told me that. Like, I mean, I could, you don't even want to know, like, yeah. if you were, get on a story. Yeah. Go for remember, it. I told you I talk a lot. No, no. Yeah. This is the place for it. You're good. The year that Carrie Underwood got on the American Idol. Okay, without dating myself. I was already <laughs> over the age with it for American Idol at that time. But I snuck in with Keith and a fake ID. And I was in Orlando and I got in there and um, you know, I got in and I sang. I with the first round, I said, you know, you have to go up with the five people, they put, you stand forward and then you sing. And I sang a Celine Dion song, nothing that was a hit. I didn't want it okay. to be a yeah, really yeah, right. annoying song. Right. I sang something right. off of a um an album it's called when you look at me and I did my thing and I, you know, when I sing, I can tell if people have a reaction or not. And the, you know, the judge said who, what they were doing. And then, you know, they cut my bracelet off and I didn't even make it past the first, you know, whatever have you. And I was really upset. And the lady pulled me aside and she said to me, she looked me straight in the eyes and she said, I don't want you to be upset. She said, you need to keep on singing. She said, you have an amazing voice. She said, but the problem is, is that you're just way too polished. She said, this is a television show. We're looking for someone to start here and to go here. She said, you're just way too polished. And I was That's like, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here you go. Like, yeah, that's interesting. You know, and it's funny, my, my manager who passed away, um, you know, he's, he would always tell me, you know, like, unfortunately you know like all these shows are looking for a sad sappy story and i do actually have a sad sappy story yeah. it's just like i'm not yeah. missing a leg i don't have orange hair you know like it, it's it's not like it's not overly overtly you know out there people kind of sometimes look at me and then they assume something right based on right. the way that i look and then they don't sure. realize that there's more sure there sure um and then moving forward many several years later of course you hear that, but you still say, okay, you just need exposure. So you'll just keep on trying. So um, another friend of mine through a group that we do networking with um, had introduced me to somebody and he wanted me to connect with a lady named Deborah Bird, who is actually a coach on a lot of those shows. Um, she's on like The Voice and American Idol mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, they put me in touch with her and she was like, okay, well, would you like to get, you know, a, a consult, blah, blah, blah. And I charge X amount of dollars. And at that time, it was right after, I don't know if Keith told you about the car accidents, but yep. we were in some car yeah. accidents. Yeah, okay. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And they kind of changed I'm going to ask you about it again anyway, but yes. Oh. Yeah, no. That, yeah, um, yeah. So I wasn't working in what I had before, which was my pay the bills job, which was cater waitering and stuff like that, promotion, sure. promotional sure. modeling and stuff. And um, things were tight. And so she was, I, I responded to her in an email and I said, you know, I appreciate your offer and everything, but we're just in car accidents and then. I can't afford to do that right now, right. but thank you for the offer. I get an email the next day and she says, I was sitting in traffic 
and God told me to sew into your life. And so I would like to offer you a consult. Can you, can you videotape Skype with me tomorrow at noon? And I was like, okay. And um, so I did. And I'm not like, I mean, you don't really know me very well, but I'm not like a girly girl. I'm not, I'm not a diva. You know, I'm not a um, high maintenance type of right. girl. I'm kind of right. tomboyish. And <clears throat> I had a ponytail in my hair. You know, I had like no makeup on. And so I'm, I'm talking to her and she's like, you know, I watched a lot of your videos and I've looked, listened to your music. And she's like, you know, and I have to tell you, you know, the issue is not with your singing. And I'm like, well, what's the problem? She said, you're just way too polished. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not, look so at me. Weird. I don't have, look at my nails. Like I don't have any makeup on. Like I have my hair right, and ponytail. Right, right. She's like, you're just, she goes, you just need to dirty it up. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, if you're going to sing, you know, like, a Bruno Mars song or whatever, whatever you're going to sing, like you need to dirty it up. Like the one thing about me is I was not born from the manufacturer with blonde hair. So my hair's dyed. So she's like, don't do your roots. The next time you have an audition, you know, like wear a lot of makeup, you know, like whatever you're going to do really just dirty it up. I've done it all. So, so it's, gone, a vis- it's a visual dirty up. It's not, she said, they think you're, she goes, they're pigeonholing you as a pageant queen. I'm like, what? Uh, and she's like, um, she's like, they just don't think that you need any help. So like I've done, I've gone every way that you can imagine I've done, I've gone in converse. I've gone with my hair up. I've gone with no makeup on. I've gone with makeup on. I've gone in pumps. I've got, it doesn't matter. I don't, I just don't get picked. I, I must be, God doesn't want me to get on the show. But <laughs> one time I was actually there. I made a friend all those years ago at that first audition. And he actually gets me through and skips the line. Um, I've been there right in front of Nigel and they're looking at my website. And and they just I just never get I don't know what the deal is but so I've I've auditioned for those shows so when people ask me that question I'm like you know no. what yeah done it. yeah yeah well no and, and that's annoying when you, when it's like the fuck do you think I've been doing You're like oh the voice oh I just heard about that thanks for tipping me that's off what my to something inside voice says. yeah 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 yes. right right yeah. but I I think actually you're you are onto something with that I think that I I I think there is a lot I think sometimes what it is is that the age and the the number. And the package don't mix and they don't understand that. I think there's also something to do. I I know. I think you're right. But I I also think there's something else. And I think you hit on it. I think, I think there's a different plan for you. I think there's people that have taken that path. I think there is. I I don't think you, because I, yeah, when, when stuff is like that, it's not rejection, it's direction. I, I, and that sounds glib and it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but I, 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 that makes sense to me because um, knowing your talent, see, having heard your music, seeing you live. Yeah. I mean, that makes abundant sense. To I me. think just God wants something different for me. I don't know what yeah. it is, but yeah. You yeah. Know, maybe and there's a, maybe and there's a different path. Like, there's a different be, path up the mountain. Be. Yeah. I think, I think there is, I, I don't know Did this, but this started for you like right out of the womb, right? I mean, you were singing from day one, weren't you? Like I've been singing since I could talk. Yeah. Why were your parents musical? Was there music in the house? No. Well, my mom can sing a little bit, but um, not really. I don't know. I just, well, my parents got divorced when I was two. So, um, you know, my dad, I didn't see my dad a lot when I was growing up. He was, he painted bridges. He lives in Greece now. He's retired. Um, But, um, you know, I just, I just expressed myself through singing. I mean, I just, I just liked music. It's just the way it's just, you know, there's something like you see something and you're just like, oh, 
that's for me. Like, yeah. that's just, that's just what it was for me. I mean, when I'm singing a song, it's like, that's, that's the thing that makes me happy. Really. The only other thing that makes me that happy is like when I'm holding an animal or helping an animal or helping a person, because that's another part of me. Like I say, I want to be a singing philanthropist because I love, mm. I just love helping people. I like, I'm, I'm always like giving money to homeless people. And, you know, I used to actually go buy stuff for homeless people. And like, I just, I would love to have like a rescue van where I could like, just go around and just, what do you need? Boom. What do you need? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's make it happen. Well, it certainly explains why you guys do so much charity work and why you're always involved in so many causes. I mean, that that makes an abundant sense. So what was so you grew up in upstate New York, right? This mm-hmm. is where you were. Where were you Hampton. Get, okay. So where did you get exposed to music then if it wasn't in your house? What did your school have a music program? Was it stuff on the radio that you were hearing? What was it that was I think it was just like radio and I don't know. I just was singing. I would like make up songs. I was okay. just always making up songs. So like, well, here, let me get a notebook so I can show you how I do it. Um, <laughs> well, this isn't my notebook notebook, but like, you know, when I write a song, I basically like I sing it down on a piece of paper and then like the, it's in my head and it's there forever because I have kind of a, photographic memory so like I write it on paper and then that melody stays in my head and then when I record it I sing it to somebody and then they play the chords I'm singing in fact one time when we were in California in LA Keith and I were living there and um I had met this producer guy and I didn't actually end up going farther with him because he told me to dump Keith he didn't want me to (laughs) he was like get rid of him but um because it'd be, it'd be for romantic reasons or for professional reasons yeah, or he both. Did, he, did, he, he said it was no, he, 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 I didn't need to have a boyfriend. He wanted me to get rid of him. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Wow. Uh, he took me to meet with a different producer and they were going to do a record with me. But anyways, I was singing the guy's like, okay, well just sing me one of your songs. And I didn't even have my notebook. I started singing mm. a song to him and he was just sitting there and he was, closing his eyes and he was like I can hear all the chords that you're singing he's like I have never experienced anything like this and I guess the guy used to play with like Lionel Richie or something I don't know I don't remember exactly but he was he was pretty up there in the industry um this is how I always been I just write the so song down it's not the music so what comes first then the music or the words or are you just messing they come around at in your the head same time. wow they come at the same time I could be in the shower and something pops into my head and I'm just like in fact my song, We the People, mm-hmm. you know, my controversial yeah, yeah, yeah. song. Yeah. Um, that came while I was cocktail, I, I was cater waitering and I wrote it on a cocktail napkin. What happened was Keith and I, because we live in the huts, you know, we live up here, you know, yeah. Rockland County, and then we were going to the city to do our cater waitering gig. And um, I was listening to like, I don't know, Sean Hannity or something. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I was really annoyed about what was going on and I was like really pissed off. And because you know, my dad came to Greece with tw- came to America from Greece with twenty dollars in his pocket. You know, to live the American dream. And then what I saw happening under the presidency at that time, it was just very disturbing. Like that's not, you know, I, I don't agree with the apology tour. Okay, like I just all that stuff just was really bothersome to me, and I was mad sure. about whatever was happening at the time. And so I went to work, and I'm sitting there in between serving people drinks, and I'm like, yeah. You know, and then I wrote, I wrote most of the song. And then on the way home, Keith actually helped me with like a line or two. 
And that, that's how I did it. I just, I, they come at the same time to answer your but, question. But no, I mean, that, but that's interesting. So I knew, um, I thought I may have talked about this before on the show, but it, I, I, there was a friend of my mom's, it's a very good painter um, named E.J. Weiss. He's passed on now, but really talented um, artist. And um, I remember going over to his house and he'd have NPR on and he'd be painting while listening to NPR. Mm. And, he, and then when I'd sit down and talk, like he would talk for maybe, oh, he'd talk a lot. He was a real talker, but he, he would talk for 45 minutes about his artwork. And then that would segue into a political thing. And he would talk for two hours about the <laughs> politics. And I was always, and his art did not, was not, well, if you just were to go to a gallery and see it, you would not think it's political in any way, shape or form. But I was always interested by that because I was like, man, how do you create something that is, in his case, that was not a polemic piece at all, but you're sitting there listening to NPR and what's going on in your head and what's your emotions and all that are being fueled by something so left brainy, you know, something yeah. that's, that's so gritty, like in the details of like, well, then tax policy has to do this. And you're like, okay, but you're painting like, like, I don't, and I, that was always interesting to me that he could be so wrapped up in these particular issues, but be painting something that was not polemical. You obviously didn't have that issue because your your song is your song. You get the words out, and you can actually capture ideas in the song. So, it, and it's a polemic piece. So you're you're you kind of avoid that. But do you find that that's how much do you find that news impacts your work, or does it normally come from inside? Is it normally an emotional thing? Is it where do you find your inspiration being drawn from usually? Well, what works for you? that's really to me. So. To, to my disclaimer is that's really my only political song yeah and it's really right. not even it's we the people it's that about the true. constitution yeah, yeah. it's not we the people is not left or right it's about right. right and wrong it's about you know upside down world or right side up world you know straighten up and fly right and i don't mean right wing yeah, yeah i'm just right. being sarcastic when i right, say right, my right. right wing song right, because right. you know somebody that's very You're, far to the left quote unquote would yeah say, right, right i'm a yeah. right winger i'm not i don't even listen to the news i mean i can't to be and it, since COVID, oh, forget about it. I turn the news off. I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah, that's how you people stay sane. Can't, the inability for people to use their own brain and cognitively think for themselves anymore is like it's beyond. I can't. I don't handle stupidity well. And so, to, to answer your question, I don't listen to the news at all. Yeah. Maybe once in a while, I will, um, you know, uh, go to some place like you know Children's Health Defense Fund or someplace where I trust the media because I don't trust any of the news channels because they're all owned by the same people and they're all just, it's the same agenda and they're just, you know, riling people up. So I don't listen to the news. Um, that song in particular just came from me because, you know, I have military in my family on my mom's side. My mom was a, you know, uh, rep for the purple heart, you know, an NSO for 10 years. You know, my husband is a veteran and I, I was extremely bothered by what was going on at that time in, in the country. And I, I was very concerned for the direction of our country and rightly so be sitting here yeah, however many yeah, years later yeah. where, where I, I was mad then. And the, the funny thing about that song is every year that goes by, the words get truer by the day. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. I look around and I don't recognize this place anymore. Foundations crumbling down when only lies abound. We cannot afford to sit back and ignore 
time to stand up, time to speak out. We've got to fight to get it back. I don't mean physically fight. I mean, you know, you have to, you have to, you can't, people can say, oh, I get mad about so-and-so got elected. Well, guess what? Did you vote? Did you, did you, did you, did you, you know, did you stand for the person that you, that you wanted? Did you talk to your friends and family about it? I mean, just don't sit back and be like, government only works if you do, you know, are you mad about, do you think, do you think that um, elections are fair? Do you think you should have an ID to vote? I mean, these are things, if you care about them, you should get involved. So that makes me wonder. I mean, I mean, I, you know, it's funny (laughs) because I said, this is your only remotely political song yet, yet. Uh, but it brings up. I'm very passionate point. about it. No, 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 no. But it, but it's 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 an interesting point because, um, yeah. What's the decision making process been like for you as to whether or not to even broach politics artistically? It's natural that people do. I mean, everybody, you know, every artist, Lady Gaga is going to have opinions. Beyonce is going to put out albums. Like everybody's going to do it because it's natural that if something's consuming a lot of your mental bandwidth. And you're an artist, it, it's going to have to manifest itself in your art at some point. But there's definitely a calculus that has to, some calculation that has to go into it, isn't it? Or is it something, do you think there's only certain people that can kind of, that have fuck you money or fuck you talent and can kind of do, yeah, what the hell, I'm going to do it regardless? Or is that something that requires some forethought, some planning, some sense of like, hey, there's got to be some left and right limits to it because I know I'm walking into a minefield, especially nowadays. Is there any of that? What was your thought process with it? I think it depends on if you are at a, I call her gag gag. So I'm sorry, excuse me, lady gag gag. I think she's very talented. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I just, yeah, she is. Uh, I have a blog about this. You could go read about it. Um, no, tell me, tell me. What's your idea? No, I like it. I like it. All, well, uh, the, the, I got to answer the question. Okay. I guess yeah. I would preface it with the, with the, uh, my thought about those people. I just don't get what singing in your underpants has to do with music and talent. Like all of them, Katy Perry, Beyonce, all, I mean like Beyonce right. singing with a Baphomet outfit on, like what I, it's, it, you know, to answer your question, it goes back to your level of who you have behind you. And so for mm-hmm. me, I'm an independent recording artist. You know, I can also say what I want, but at the same time, it will also can hurt me. For me, I, I I have done, I mean, I do sing at a lot of uh, Republican and, and stuff like that. I am a Republican. I mean, I'm a registered Republican, but I don't, for me, I'm more of a conservative person. So I just believe in, in the constitution. You know, I just believe in what our founding fathers put down. So I try to just, but I, that doesn't mean I wouldn't sing for a Democrat. It just depends on, you know, if I, what they're, Yep. what their uh ideals that they're putting forth are forgive me you know i get i when i get passionate about things no 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 no, it's good. It's good. no no and i lose so, my words but um so for the people i'm gonna go down a rabbit hole now go for it to answer your question about those people can they just say whatever they want and fuck you yeah blah, right blah. here's the thing i it depends on how much you understand about those people in the industry and who's controlling the industry. Have you ever seen the documentary out of shadows? No, you haven't. No. Well, there's a documentary. I suggest that you watch it. It's, okay. um, it's highly controversial. You can't even type it on Facebook. Like if you write literally, uh, O space, U spaced and go down the gamut and don't even put dot com dot com. They'll take it off. Like it's completely, it's completely Why? censored. What's it about? 
it's about the the music industry. It's about the industry. It's about it's about everything. It's about who's actually pulling the strings in the world out of shadows. It's two oh, of the most successful um, stuntmen in Hollywood history. They were not Christians. They got injured, and then through a series of their recovery, they became Christians, and they kind of found out the the, the back the back channels of who's controlling the music industry. There's some oh, controversial stuff in there. People say it's conspiracy theory. Um, you know, and when you know what to look for and you watch, uh, the sim- there's a lot of symbolism in the music industry, maybe. I don't know. If sure, people are not sure. of a faith background, they wouldn't see it. They wouldn't recognize the one eye, you know, all the Illuminati stuff. Uh, most of the music industry is very highly controlled and the television as well. And um, the content, it's, it's the messaging that they put out, you know, and a lot of these artists are controlled. So to answer your question... Beyonce can say whatever the hell she wants to say because she knows it's not going to have any effect on her. You know, God, gag, gag can say whatever she wants to say because it's not going to have any effect on her. Do you feel like you've had to censor yourself? I do kind of have to censor myself because um, you don't want to piss anybody off. You know, you know, I just want to sing. I don't care. I want to just bless people with my voice. I don't care what their politics are. I'm not going to not be friends with somebody if they're a raging lunatic leftists in my brain i'll still (laughs) be nice to them because they're a human being they're a creature of god and i love everybody do i think they're batshit crazy probably yes that's what my inside voice is gonna say but that does that mean i'm not gonna love them and be nice to them no that's just silly that's not in me i have my opinion and i you know think what i think but yes i do censor myself because i just want to sing and i want to sing anywhere that's that's a healthy template for everybody and I think you put it exactly the right way. We are all free to think that somebody else is batshit crazy. Thinking yeah. that does not necessarily mean that you have to go, you know, thinking somebody's batshit crazy does, does not necessarily equate to them being evil. And I think that's a difference. Like if somebody's evil and a threat to your life, literally holding a gun to your head, that's one thing. If it's something where, oh, Jesus Christ, they believe in what? They think what? That's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Well, it, it doesn't mean you have to hate them and it doesn't mean you have to, you know, socially disassociate yourself from them. You can choose to be around them to the extent you want. It certainly means you can still love them from a distance. I think that's yeah. a uh, that's a much healthier way of going through it because I think there's a bit of sanity that goes in that. But it is interesting because I um because it's something I didn't press Keith on also, but I I I think it's important to ask. Um Talk about Christianity. Talk about its role in your music. Does it have an overt role? Does it have a not overt role? Does it does it come up, or is it just something that's like, look, this is my personal thing, and to the extent it affects me personally, it affects my music. Like, well, where? How do you see your, that? Because well, you know, we're getting into beliefs. So I was raised Christian. You know, I was baptized Greek Orthodox. My uh, great my great uncle was a Methodist minister. I mean, I'm a Christian, but. Um, I've grown in my understanding of things and I like, I believe in the secret and I believe in the law of attraction. And I believe that, you know, we're, you know, everything is a frequency and your words have power and, you know, the tongue is the rudder of your ship and what you speak about comes about. Um, I think there's a lot of, I think what Jesus was trying to say is so much deeper than what's in the Bible. You know, I think that Mm. the people that wrote the Bible that, you know, like there's all these, there's certain books that aren't even in there, you know, and the people that wrote it, it was written you know, hundreds of years after Jesus actually was on the earth. So, you know, I think it's a lot bigger than what fundamentalists would think, but I am a Christian and it does influence me. I, you know, I, 
I guess the answer is this, this song right here, my song, don't walk away. Mm. My first CCM song that I put mm-hmm. out. Um, the lyrics of that song are pretty much my motto for everything. Like, are you building up? Or are you tearing down? Hearts are hurting. Can you hear the sound? You know, like I'm all about helping people. We're all connected. We're all children of God. We should all love each other. And it's like, I think so many people spend too much time trying to tear other people down to make themselves feel better. That um, and so it does influence my music. And I, I just don't get what's, you know, I understand that sex sells and, you know, I can be sexy, but I don't think that, you know, having your, your coochie out when you're on stage has anything to do with if you have five octaves of Ranger, if you can sing good or if you can play the guitar fantastically or play the drums fantastically. I don't think it, I think it's over glamorized. You can package a rock if you need to, to sell it and make it look Mm -hmm. good. You don't have to sexualize it. And I think Mm. in the society that we're in, they, I mean, they're sexualizing a toothpaste commercial for God's sakes. Like it's everything has Mm -hmm. to be sexualized. And I don't, I think it's just silly. I don't don't think you need to do that. That's it's interesting. Um, for, for those that, (laughs) for those listening, uh, I mean, I think it's worth saying you're not ugly. I mean, like that's something that you could expect to hear from people going, well, Hey, I want to be judged on my merit, not on my looks, which is true for anybody, no matter how they look, but you're somebody who I'm sure in LA, you know, like you said, the producer approaches you and is like, Hey, lose the boyfriend. You know, like you're somebody who probably could have gone down that path. You could have been teeny boppered out if you'd wanted to, right? I wasn't a teeny bopper when I went there. Even so so much older than you think I am. I know. I, but listen, but that aside, but still they, I mean, I'm assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there was, there were probably avenues open to you to sexualize yes. what you were doing yes. and your work. And it's like, Hey, if you, and you can read red pill or blue pill, like hey, this is the path of success. If you want to take it, this is what success looks like. Am I reading too much into that? Or was that an option? No, that's totally you? true. I mean, I mean, I can see now looking back in my life. I mean, when I was 19, uh, well, let's back up all the way. Like when I was like 18, I auditioned. No, because it must've been just when I turned 19. I auditioned for star search. No, this, this was first. The first thing was I got offered to a friend of my dad's make a very long story short, the music industry. He was kind of uh, not music industry. My, my dad was a bridge painter and he working in New York city, you know, you have to deal with the coalitions and the mob and all that. And so mm. a friend of a friend who's kind of mobbish connected, put us in touch with somebody and, um, he got me in touch with somebody and they, there was an opportunity. I went backstage at a beach boys concert up at the state fair and I met this guy and to make a long story short, I was offered to go on a tour, um, being a, uh, at a girl band making like, yeah. I think it was like 12 or $1,300 a week with all yeah. expenses paid when I was like 18 or 19. And I thought, I was really going to do that. Like I was, I was like this close. I mean, I was just this close to doing it. Yeah. But there was something inside of me that I just, I just, it didn't sit well with me and I made a decision and I turned it down and I can see now that that totally changed the path of my entire life. I was married before I met Keith, you know, I, I, when I was in high school, I mean, I've been singing and singing and singing and singing. 
but I, there was no, like, I didn't go to college for music because I didn't want to be a music teacher. There was no college degree that I could get that would get me a record deal. You know, when I was yeah, growing up, right. I wanted to be Whitney Houston. I wanted to mm. be Barbara Streisand. I wanted to be Madonna. I wanted to be all of that. And I, you know. Even with the sexualization, music, even with like Madonna, it, you know, the like a virgin to. The level of Madonna. The okay. Level the level of Madonna. Her, okay. You know, all right. The, and, and of course I could. I think she's extremely talented. I love her. What she yeah. does today, I think she's a. I think she's best shit crazy today. Right. But, right. You know, in her career, nobody can no, say she's that she's yeah. not. I mean, she's the level of things that she's done, and the and the way that she's grown, and and that she's just you know she's groundbreaking. In my view, she's like a Michael Jackson type artist. Yeah, totally. But um, I just could have gone down that path, and it, and everything changed. I auditioned, I auditioned for Star Search, and then it got canceled. In fact, they were going to put me on, because when I was in high school, um, I used to go tanning like every single day for like an hour, so I was very dark. So people a lot of times thought I was mixed, and they were going to put me on Spanish Star Search, and that's then the show got funny. canceled. Yeah, but oh, anyway. Come, what would you, well, that, boy, that, that's lucky. What would you have done if they'd gone on there? You had to develop an accent. Yeah, no, work on your speech. Who knows? I don't know. Hey, so, so, so speaking of, uh, <laughs> um, speaking, so I know we started off on auto tune and talking about faking it, but is Aston your real name then? No, it's not. Neither but, is April. You want really? me to tell you? <laughs> no. You can't. I, you, I mean, your call. You, your, your call. You know. Uh, My real it, name is Angela. Really? Yeah, Angela. Well, I'm a heavenly messenger. Okay. But I mean, look, but that's got a, I mean, I like the and name. Now my Dave big Aston. secret is out. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, I know, seriously. I know there's nothing left now. Well, you know what happened? Where'd Keith, you get it? Keith Where'd ha- you get Ava Aston from? I will tell you. Keith okay. went to get his, um, he got his master's degree in entertainment for business. And, um, you know, because in the music industry, it's like um, you have to um, hide your age, like yep. you're hiding a dead, you know, a closet full of dead bodies, murders. <laughs> where the bones buried so he's like well why don't we just use a stage name just for branding and so i did a stage and i picked it i picked a name well i what it was was my little cousin uh my niece is named eva and she was little at the time now she's like mm. 15 but mm-hmm. um i was like well i think my name looks like i look like my name starts with an a so let's pick something with an a and it was eva okay ava okay let's do that and then the, actually aston is the street that keith grew up on when he was little because i wanted a double moniker because yeah, my sister yeah, yeah. jane she has her sons they're hayden and hudson and their last name is hertig and so That's there's a, like there's the science behind a double moniker like yeah. that there's strength behind it yeah so we picked ava aston and that's it's a great now, name. Now, now my name I love it. I love it. It's a great name. Um, I want to ask you, I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I want to, there's a bunch of things I want to ask you about. I know. And Tell I me, talk probably more than anybody. No, 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 You, you really don't No, You're totally good. <laughs> um, tell me about gone. Tell me about the video behind it and the production and what that experience was like um, doing it. And the, the reason I'm jumping to this, just so it doesn't seem like a total non sequitur is when you talk about the sexualization in the business and all that, um, this is certainly not a, you know, it's not a prissy puritanical, you know, story. Um, but you did, did you feel like you did it your way in the video and that you captured the image that you wanted and that everything was on brand the way you would have wanted it or not? Yes, because Keith did it for me. 
he did everything for me. I mean, Keith made the video. He didn't even have a proper camera at the time. Um, wow. You know, we, we did everything like, so at that time I had, he's like I said, since passed away. Um, but my manager, Michael, who I really believe God sent into my life because I'm going to get emotional now. Please. Up until that time, I was always um, hiding my age. Like I was hiding. It was something to be embarrassed about. And I can't do anything about what I've achieved at a certain age. Like I, it doesn't mean I'm not talented and it doesn't mean um, yep. I can't help the day I was born. It is what it is. And I've experienced in my life a lot of discrimination because of, you know, age bias. And I met Michael on social media. He actually found me because of my song, We the People, because, you know, I was doing a lot mm -hmm. of things like before the accidents kind of slowed me down. We the People was like I was going all over the place. I was singing like Tea Party Patriots. I was singing at the Capitol. I was doing all over the, you know, doing these things with all these rallies. And Michael saw my song, We the People, and he was, he didn't, he was like, you don't have a manager? I don't understand, because Keith makes my website. Keith does everything for me. Like, if you Google Ava Aston, everything you see is pretty much done by Keith, except for recording the music. Like, Keith yeah. makes the CD branding. He does yeah. my website. He does my videos. He does everything. He actually took this photo. Um, Michael was like, oh, and then we got to be talking. And the thing that Michael did was he he taught me not to be ashamed of who I am. You know, he's like, you know, there's, there's nothing that you did wrong. I mean, you, and he, he just made me feel really not to be ashamed of myself. And so he helped me with, you know, being able to be okay with the fact of what my age is. And so, um, Michael kind of drove me and I had that CD, this CD that I had put out gone. Um, I wrote five of these songs on here previously, but the one, two, three, five. I wrote with a um, producer named Anthony Santo. He was in Long Island. He's actually with Killingsworth Studio um, out there. And he, ironically, is no longer doing production. But he's very talented. But wow. um, he wrote the music and I wrote the songs. So he sent me home with the music and I wrote the lyrics to them. And um, I had them and Michael's like, you got to make videos for these. And so, and of course, like I'm a shoestring budget. What can we do? And so Keith, I had a band that I was working with to back me because I had some shows coming up. And that band in that video is my band that I had. Gotcha. And um, we just did it. It's done in our garage. We kept uh, trying to find places that would let us rent and everybody wanted like insurance, blah, blah. Yep. Keith's like, forget it. He just painted the whole garage gray, gave it that like gritty look and um you know, we just, we just did it. And, um, I mean, I think it turned out pretty well. And then there was a, oh, I forget. She was like a pod, ho, pod show lady. I forgot her name now because it was back. Forgive me. Um, she debuted the song, the video on oh, her show cool. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. To answer your question, it came out the way that I wanted. In fact, probably it came out better than I wanted it because, you know, that's what he does. He, he, yeah. he really goes by that motto that I have. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Wherever you are in your life or your journey, you can do that. You can yeah. start, with, you can yeah. just use what you have. There's no excuse, especially today, because technology is so readily available. But um, he, he did that video for me and it, it came out the way that, that we wanted it. You know? Yeah, it's, it's um, I think there's something about having your significant other. Um, I mean, especially if 
you're in a good marriage and, and have really a lot of support. And, I wouldn't. And they get each other. I, I, but th- there's something about having them do, especially videos or pictures of you. Um, it's. I think it's so interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person that's <laughs> noticed this, and I'm sure there's data to back it up. But I feel like you can tell when by the how people take your picture, kind of how they feel about you. And um, mm. I mean, have you had that? Have you seen yourself through Keith's lens and then seen yourself through someone else's and gone, holy shit, that's night and day? Has that ever well, happened to you? Most of my best pictures are taken by Keith, except the cover on this, my newest, beside my anthem. This is when I did um, I did a transformation for HydroxyCut back in 2010. And mm-hmm. um, I had to go do two commercials. and. I had, there was a Playboy photographer and he did this picture. So this is probably one of my favorite pictures of me because he captured, Yeah. I guess something, because the, the truth of the matter is between the two of us, Keith is the exhibitionist. I am the recluse. I actually, to be honest, I hate to be on video. I hate to have to get camera ready. I hate to be, sure. I like to be on stage and to be singing. Sure. But all that goes along with it, like the how you look portion. Yeah. I don't like that. When I was a little girl, I was chubby and I've, it's, I'm not, I, I like to just sing. I don't really like to have to be on camera. And so it's a battle. So Keith does bring out the best in me and he makes me comfortable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he makes me look, I think, better than I feel. Huh. I guess that's a hell of a thing. That's an amazing compliment for any husband. I mean, that that's, inc- that yeah. that's, I mean, and I think that's important for people to understand. I mean, the artist's life is, it is so unique and there's an inherent, there's an inherent, I've talked about this a bunch on the show, but I, I think there's an inherent degree of, for lack of a better word, narcissism that you have to have if you're an artist, because if you don't give a shit about what you're doing, there's no incentive for anyone else to give a shit about it. So there has exactly. to be a degree of self-involvement, but, the ability to balance that and not have it go over the edge and also have a loving, committed relationship. Boy, that's a, that's a delicate balance to find that and to have somebody that understands that and can support that. That's a real triumph there. I don't think there's a lot of people that could hold that up in their lives. I think that's I would be model. complete. I don't even know what to, I, I thank God for him every single day. I mean, he yeah. is, I, I sound like I, I sound probably pretty annoying, but he's really, I mean, he, I don't <laughs> no, even have good. enough words. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. He's, he's like, there's just no words. I mean, he, he's, he's just the best. I mean, he does everything. He, he's, uh, he's just, there's just not a mean bone in his body. He doesn't get mad about anything. He, you know, the worst thing could happen. And he's just like, well, you know, he, he's always making lemons out of lemonade. He yeah, always sees the positive and, and the way out. And he's just. So one and thing, he's so creative. Yo, he, oh, he absolutely is. Uh, yeah. I mean, and um, I, I'm just, I'm so impressed with that because I think when um, the number of offline conversations I've had with different artists about, um, you know, in various stages of relationships, the deterioration mm-hmm. end of it, the incipient stages of it, uh, the, the middle of it, it it's just interesting 
Uh, there's there's no one I've seen that has a relationship like you're in Keys. And I think that's a real model for a lot of people. I think that's a real triumph. I think that a lot of we people- We celebrate both anniversaries, the day we got married and the day we met. The day we met was June 9th, 2002. And we celebrate that every, that's our real anniversary. But then we celebrate the day we got married. We got married in Vegas and we got married in February 3rd. So we have two anniversaries. That's very cool. That's very cool. No, listen, I've done a shitty job establishing any kind of chronological order to your life. So <laughs> let me let me try to pretend like I'm, I'm doing I a good job at this now. And it's not you. It's not you. No, no, no. I, 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 It's a pleasure to chase the bouncing ball talking to you. But I, I want to try to make sure I do establish just the overall arc of how we got to where we are now. So coming out of up uh, of your childhood, did you think you were going to be a professional singer? Was that on the radar? Was it a pipe dream? Well, were you taking when steps? I was, no, no, no. I've never had any other dream. I've never had a plan B. I've never, mm. you know, what I did was, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't say anything as a mistake because everything happens for a reason. And I believe that God <laughs> is directing my path. Um, sometimes I wonder if it's that he wants me to be 80 years old with a cane up there <laughs> getting my Grammy. But, um, <laughs> I say. I said it's um, a path. It's a path no one's done. Who knows? Yeah, it that's is right. a path. Yeah. It is a path. Yeah. And you know, Michael always told me. He said, "You know what? Your story is going to be what gets people to you. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to be. He's like, here's your music, and you're very talented. But he's like, your story is going to be yeah. what gets you your break. But backing up, I I thought by now I would be like, you know, touring all over. I never thought that my life would be where it is and sure. what has happened. But sure. you know, I'm I'm probably a much deeper person than I would have been yep. had I got success immediately right away yep. the way that I wanted it. And I don't get me wrong. I've had a good number of successes, but it's almost like I have success and then something bad happens. I have success and then something bad happens. Yeah. It's like, I, I almost feel like, well, my favorite movie is Rocky and you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I love my second favorite. It's a wonderful life, but um, I'm kind of like the Rocky of the music industry. I am, you know, I just keep getting back up. I just, yeah. Just keep getting back up. It doesn't matter what happens. I just keep getting back up. And um, I thought I would be where I wanted to be by now. And I'm not. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It just means it's just not gonna, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And also, it, just because it doesn't happen the way you thought in childhood doesn't really mean a whole hell of a lot. I mean, you know, you also think no, I made a choice. green I got, cheese. I got, you know, I mean, it's like. I yeah, got whatever. married because I, yes. I was telling you earlier, yeah. I. Um, there was no degree I could go get to get a record yeah. deal, right? Yeah. And so when I was, what I first did was I recorded some songs that I had written and um, I got the indie Bible because this was back, you mm. know, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I sent them out to a whole bunch of people wow. and I was thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, you send this the little cassette tape in the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, um, you know, I got some good little replies back and, you know, working on things, but I just made a choice to, to work in my dad's business. So I started working and doing accounting in my dad's construction business. Now you say so you, made, I, a, you had, made a choice, like, like career choice or like, Hey, it just got paid bills. That's what I was doing for work. I was doing for work was okay. doing that. And because, okay. um, I was singing a band. I mean, I had a local band. I was singing around mm -hmm. doing weddings and singing that, you know, the, the wedding, the church ceremony, Ave Maria and all that stuff. And I would sing band, you know, singing at bars and doing all these things. And, yeah. uh, but my work job was, I was working in my dad's construction company. I ended up getting married to somebody that probably never should have got married to. I was more friends with him than I was in love with him. 
And, um, I, you know, the thing with that person was because my parents were divorced when I was little, um, and I did not see my dad very much growing up because he was traveling all the time. Um, I fell in love with the guy's family. He had a very like beaver cleaver type of family. And so it was his family that I fell in love with. And that's so I, anyway, it's fine. Uh, I was married for nine years and, um, that kind of held me back a little bit because he had, he was very jealous. He was very jealous of anything. And, you know, any time anybody tried to talk to me, he was very jealous and he wasn't completely opposite of Keith. So, um, actually when I met Keith, I was married. I was in the process of getting a divorce, but I was still married. Wow. When I met Keith. And, wow. um, yeah, so it was the, the 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 path was I always thought I would be you know it was like a no brainer I would be famous sure, by X sure. age and it just sure. didn't happen. I started working in my dad's company. You know, I was singing also on the side, doing my and I kept recording and putting things out. And then um, you know, and I had that's when I kind of started doing the anthems. I started singing all these anthems because by then I was, I was down here and I was, I, I was like the Knicks, you know, the giants, the Mets, I mean, every team, but the Yankees I had done. And, um, and this is while you were like, married or was this before you were married? Well, while I was married. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, um, oh, what happened next? Da, da, da. Got married, you know, got divorced, married Keith. We moved all over the place and uh, it's just, you know, the independent artist life, you know, yeah. and I've, no, made, I've made music all along recorded it as I can, you know, working with whoever I'm working with, record music, put it out there, always had a website, you know, um, and throughout my career, I have met people and then something would start to happen and then boom. But probably the biggest change chronologically was, um, I think when I did We The People, that was when like the biggest thing started happening. I started getting a lot of traction and then, all right, because at that time, I we were kind of, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the nonprofit called Operation First Response. They are a military nonprofit where they help people, uh, veterans, not just with one particular issue, almost kind of what Sharon does. Like okay. if she sees somebody mm-hmm. needs something, she just does why it. Take, like yeah, whatever sure. the person is, just do it. Yep. Yeah. They do the same thing. Like if they need their mortgage payment paid, if they need their electric payment, gotcha. paid, if they need yep. um, this done, that done, they do it. I was Keith's thesis in college was how to break an independent artist using a multi-city concert tour and it involved radio and it involved sponsors i don't know if he told you this yeah and so his thesis in college was this he got an a plus on it his his instructors were like this is awesome we had just met my manager at the time we were all going to do it we're going to implement it and we were going to do it with first operation first response first car accident happened boom second car accident happened boom and then everything kind of just went to shit. I, I'm just going to put it out there. And so to be honest with you, since the car accidents, it's, just, you know, I've just been, I had to readjust. I had to learn how to function and realize that things were different and um, just kind of just keep on going. And and I just keep on going and keep on going and just rearranging, you know, Really, for me, the biggest change where I feel like I'm kind of more disconnected than ever is since COVID, because the change in the world and the people's brains has been just something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. So I've really had to pull back and disconnect more than ever from social media, which is hard because 
I need it to promote That's myself. But with the changes yeah. Yeah. that they've implemented, people don't even see it anyway. You know, you've got your few core people, but I still do it because I'm putting it out there and okay. that's me putting myself out there. So let's, let's break down a couple of these things. I'm very, I mean, that's uh thank you for doing my job and getting us the full arc. And now I've got a ton of questions on how that arc developed. So for my first thought is um, I don't want to gloss over the nine years of your first marriage. Cause that's a significant yeah. amount of time. But I mean, artistically, how did you feel during the marriage? Did you feel like you were blossoming, but just not blossoming as quickly? Did you feel like you were inhibited? Did you feel like, like, how did you feel? Well, to answer your question, I wrote the songs on my Gone album. I wrote Don't Need Me during that marriage at the end of it. I wrote um, What Do I Got to Say during that marriage. Mm. And I wrote holding on actually after. So during that marriage, I wrote, don't need me. What do I got to say? And um, I also wrote, I carry you with me, but that was not written about the marriage. That was written about actually his mother when she passed away. Oh, wow. Um, She was a wonderful, wonderful person. She was, she had like 400 foster children in her lifetime. She was just like the most wonderful, warm, kind, loving woman that made everybody feel like you knew her for your whole life. And so she was just a real, real wonderful person. Um, I wrote that song about her um, when I was living in Nashville, actually. Um, It wasn't all bad. It just, it wasn't like, look, when I saw Keith, like literally my heart stopped. I was like, (gasps) like he was just, it was like just that other half. It just, yeah, yeah. I can't even explain it. The whole world just stood still when I saw him. And, and he's not, I, not only do I think he's the handsomest guy I've ever seen in my life. And I always think that every day when I look at him, <laughs> but he's my best friend. He's my yeah. best friend in the entire world. I, and I can't imagine what my life would be if I didn't have him. So, you know, it was just like a growing experience. Really that first nine years was more like working than anything because I was working in my dad's business. And my, what it was, was my dad invented a platform for bridge construction because he was a bridge painter. and he patented that platform. And so my ex-husband and I would go, we would sell licensing agreements to other bridge contractors around the country to use the platform because it would like, it was a containment system. So they would, when they were painting, they could contain the lead emissions, but they could also, depending on how they uh, built it and and fabricated it, they could drop the structure. Like when they were doing sections, you could drop on it. So it was like a containment system. Do you feel so artistically though, you didn't feel like the marriage held you back? I did actually. Oh, it totally held me back because he was a completely jealous person. And then of course my dad, I love my dad, but my dad is like, you have to go to work. You cannot, this is a dream. This yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, sure. my dad didn't even see like in school, I was always singing, always singing. I was always in the concert. I was always like, you know, I was I remember I won my first talent show in the ninth grade and I won like $10 and I thought it was like the greatest thing, but I, you know, was always pulled over to do solos and like the singing mm. with the senior choir yep. and, you know, special things. And he didn't, he didn't ever see me sing until I was like 16 years old. And he came out and he was like to my mom, wow, she's really talented. Like, where you know. did you train? 
where did you, where was your first training? Where did you, when did you first actually get in a room and have somebody work with you or did you? My voice teacher, I took voice lessons for like 20 something years. She was an opera singer. Okay. Um, In in my hometown of Binghamton. And and where, where, what age did you start? In her house. I would go weekly when I was what age? Well, I started getting by my teachers in school, really special treatment. But then when I was, God, I think I must've been 14 or 15 when I started taking voice lessons. And I continued with her through my adult life. And then when I left her, I moved to Nashville with my ex-husband. And then my, um, I started with a different voice teacher there, a totally different technique, the Alexander technique. I really didn't care for her too much. She kind of tried to undo all my years of training with my other voice teacher, but it was a learning experience. And then um, I moved back to New York because Nashville wasn't for me. And then um, so wait, did you went move back to, Na- to my voice teacher. Did you move to Nashville with your ex-husband to be I've a singer? Twice. I did it. Okay. Yes. Okay. I did it twice. I did it twice. Well, yeah. So he, I did so, it with my ex-husband and I did it with Keith. Okay. So when you were studying initially with, your, with the opera teacher in Binghamton, did you study opera? Did you start to yeah. study oh, yeah, all classical singing? And did you, and did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy opera? Yeah. Did you consider that instead of pop? No, I mean, I like it. My fit, to be honest with you, my very favorite place to sing is in a church. My very favorite place to sing is in a church. And to be honest with you, it's in a Catholic church up in the top where people are not looking at you. And it's just the voice (laughs) coming down and it's just the voice. So it's all about the music. You know, I, I have, um, don't get me wrong. I love to be on the stage. I love to sing, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess maybe it's the little fat girl in me, the little, you know, the little fat girl that feels ugly. I just don't like people looking at me. I don't know what it is. I just get self, I'm very (laughs) self-conscious. Do you still feel self-conscious when you're on stage? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Really? Oh yes. What, um, so when did you decide the path, the musical path that you were going to pursue? Um, yeah, so you're staying with an opera teacher, but how did you start to make that? What was the thought process? Was it just, Hey, this is what I hear on the radio all the time. So this is what I'm going to go well, for. I don't, what were you thinking? For me, I don't class. See, that's another, like one of my big peeves. I don't really, unless you're talking about the difference between classical music and say rap, I don't think that music needs to be classified. Interesting. Okay. Because, you know, the difference between CCM and pop and rock it all is goes together it's all that it's all it, it, it overlaps it's like yeah. it, it doesn't really need to be i think by putting it in a box you're excluding people from listening to it you know and especially today because like the johnny cash country is nowhere near taylor swift country but yet they're still calling taylor swift country it's not really country it's pop you know, the people that are coming out and to be honest with you, I'm probably behind the times because in the last like five years, I'm completely tuned out from what's going on in the music industry because it hurts my brain because it's all just like, you know, who's on American Idol or The Voice and okay, then they have an album and then they're touring all over and yeah, it, it's not, it's not like, you know, your, your Foreigner or your Journey or your Rolling Stones or, your, yeah. you know, your Goo Goo Dolls or your, you know, somebody like a journey with a story and the music and the writing a song because this happened and then he experience it. It's like, you know, it's the, I don't know. It's like what my mom calls the Tide Pod generation. 
<laughs> the Tide Pod. Right. Well, you know, it's the Microwave Society. Let Let's talk about some of your story uh, more, <laughs> because I think that's that's important. Um, I mean, that definitely blew me away when I was talking to Keith, and it was like one accident after another after another. And I was like, dear God, like the ability that you've had, that both of you had, but in your case, to pick yourself back up, how do you feel? Let's start with this. Artistically, are you better now than you've ever been? Probably, actually, yeah. I will say, for me, the best thing that could have happened, well, and I got directed by God, but that whole period where I was doing acapella videos very often, I kind of stopped when COVID started. Um, but I grew, actually, I learned a whole, a whole genre of music that I did not ever listen to before. Mm. Like the Frank Sinatra, the Nat King Cole, and you know, mm. the, the Doris Day and all that. Um, I learned that. And I, I really, to be honest, that's my favorite, except for the singing in church. Um, I grew and, and it was therapy for me to, somebody to say, Hey, can you sing this song? And I'm like, what the hell? I never even heard that song. So then I have to go listen to that song and then I have to put my spin on that song. And so like, if it's a a guy song, I have to, you know, change the key in my head and then sing it to where it's comfortable Mm. for me. And it was therapy for me to be able to do that. And then to, to still be able to connect with people in my music. And I guess I'm at the point where I just don't care anymore. Like I don't, you know, I do filter myself somewhat, but I don't care either. You like me or you don't like me. And then that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Either you like my music or you don't like my music. And I'm not going to like not be what I am to make somebody else happy. I'm not going to try to put myself in a box to fit somebody. You know what I mean? So in that aspect, yes. And as far as my singing goes, I feel like I'm better than I've ever been. And I guess I'm more comfortable with who I am than I've ever been. Um, the only thing mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable with is that um, because of my physical injuries and my limitations, I'm not able to be, I guess I feel like I, I'm, I'm angry because something was robbed from me in those accidents. Uh, not only with the, the TBI issue, but the, um, the physicality, because the one thing that I always had was, um, when I was doing the, the hydroxy cut transformation and everything, like I was working out for like four hours a day. Yeah. I was like, I was like a maniac. I was yeah. running. I was yeah. I had a 12 pack. Yeah. I was like the whole thing. And it becomes and part of your so identity. Yeah. It's it was part of my that. identity. Yeah. yeah. And when, when the accidents happened, so I used that, like when I would have a rejection from something and I would get age, you know, bias or whatever, mm. I'd be like, fuck you. I'm going to go run five miles. You can't take that away from me. I'm going to go do insanity workout downstairs in my gym because you can't take that away from me. But when you get in an accident like that and you have herniated discs and, you know, your SI joint is messed up and you lose control of your left leg and you can't, you can't do that. (laughs) And so that got robbed from me. And so I do still exercise every day, but I, I'm not able to do what I used to do. And that's really hard for me to accept. And I, I, I'm angry about the fact that, um, I'm still not able to get to where I was and that bothers me, but, um, I just keep going. <laughs> well, but more than that, talk about the acapella, talk about just musically, how have you been able to channel that trauma? How, uh, you, 
whether it's from songwriting, song selection, vocally doing something different, what what has the trauma meant? How have you been able to incorporate? I that? wrote a song out of the trauma. I actually have not released the song. I should send it to you so you can listen to it. I haven't released it yet. Um, I'm almost. It's like my baby. Um, I guess I'm scared to expose to people how. Um, well, and here's the thing. Everybody has something that they deal with, no matter how perfect somebody's life may appear on the outside. Yep. And that's, I think, the problem is that some people think that I have a perfect life and they don't understand that I have a struggle. But everybody has that. And I have this song called Can You Hear Me? And it's a letter to God. It's mm-hmm. asking him if he can hear me. And mm-hmm. I recorded it actually with a Grammy-winning producer here in Rockland County. And it's, it was the best experience of recording of my entire life. We did it in like one take. No punching, no nothing. And he was like, wow. He actually said I was one of the easiest artists he's ever worked with. But um, it was such a wonderful experience. I just, I just got out. I just, it was just everything. Because it was like all that used the one accident, then the other accident. And the one, the most traumatic thing that came out of those accidents was the lawsuit that happened. Because we obviously sued the people. And there was two of them and then they were joined together. And Unfortunately, we picked the worst law from the United States of America. And um, what happened for me was I got character assassinated in our lawsuit because I have a dream and a goal and a focus. And it was like, you know, that's one of the reasons, like, I used to write my blog. You know, I used to write it every day. And then it went to once a week. The accidents happened. Then it went to once a week. And then it went to once a month. And then it's like twice a year. And like, I don't even think I wrote one since last year when one of my dogs my last dog to pass away, passed away. Um, because for me, I can talk to you. Talking is much easier. But when I try to express myself on typing, right, right, it's a whole nother ball of wax. It yep. looks like somebody drunk wrote it. And sometimes <laughs> even if I do spell check and I, I just, just, just things I don't catch. Sure. And so that's, I just don't really write it anymore because it's just, instead of taking 45 minutes or half hour to write a blog, it takes me four hours by the mm. time I write it. And then I mm-hmm. check it and then I send it to my mom and ask her to check it. And then I post it and then I post it here and I post it there. It's like, it's just too much. No, it hurts my totally. brain. So I just don't do it. Um, so I yeah. forgot what even the question was. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, well, so, uh, well, let's, uh, you were talking about how the lawsuit itself, uh, I, I'm, you know, oh God. it was even more awful. traumatic, I was, which I can, I can, char- I can definitely terrible. imagine, but wait, how did they, so I don't understand the, where did the character assassination come in? You say, cause then you went into the blog post Were they saying, so well, here's the thing they were, so they found out that, you know, Ava Aston is not the, 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 the Angela is uh, yeah. Ava Aston. Okay. And so, oh yeah, you know, were you, did you take a walk up Bear Mountain? How could you take a walk up Bear Mountain if you got a brain injury? Uh, oh, did you, did you go kayaking with your husband? How can you go kayaking if your back hurts? Um, how can you, how can you write a blog if you have a brain injury? Sure. Of course. Like, of course. and like also my blog, if you go back and you read my blogs from that time period, I always express my struggle through my writing. And then I try to inspire people because I'm always trying to inspire people to be better to so no matter what happens to you that you can still, tomorrow is still going to come. The sun is going to shine. You can still get up. World's not going to end. doesn't matter what happened. You can always make a choice. If you choose to see it negative or you choose to see it positive. And it's only over when you say it's over. So I've always, throughout that period, I was always writing blogs about keeping it on going. And um, 
you know, the whole thing was like, had you, they just totally character assassinated me. It doesn't matter. I got an MRI with DTI showing my brain injury and my back, sure, right, this, right. and it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. They just, they totally character assassinated me. And to be honest with you, I actually got $0 from our car accidents. Jesus. I was rear-ended by an SUV while stopped at a stoplight. Car was totaled, smashed into the car in front of me. I got $0. And then the second car accident, rear-ended again. I got $0. We were left with over $100,000 of debt, thanks to no fault, New York State no fault. For medical bills, because we got cut off because of our insurance. Because, you know, you max out. Because all those things like MRIs with DTIs and all that stuff is really expensive. And and we had like four neuropsychs in like two years. And there's only so many neuro. In fact, the last time they tried to send us for one, the, um, I forget what they're called. What's the name of that doctor, the brain doctor, the uh, neuropsychologist. She sent us away because they they told the insurance company, told them the other insurance company said that, no, they hadn't had one. And I was like, I've already had three. And and I just had one six months ago. And, you know, we were taking Adderall. And of course, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know if you know the the, the ills of Adderall. It's like, yeah, you know, sure. crack in a bottle. And it's, yeah, right. we quit at cold turkey. And that was like a whole thing Jesus. by itself. Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't want to be on medicine anymore. And. Um, what, so that was, well, Ava, well, hold on. What, what do you do? What's your coping mechanism when you have all this? It, is it the singing? Do you, do you go, Hey, look, I really need to lean heavy because artistically I've got to get some of this shit out and I have no other recourse. What do you do? What do you, how do you cope? It depends on if you're asking before COVID or after COVID. <laughs> let's do, let's start with before oh. COVID and then after COVID. How about that? The singing, writing the blog, exercise. Um, getting outside. I love to be outside, taking a walk, hiking, letting the sun shine on my face, just, um, animals. I love my animals. They're like children. I don't have any kids. We don't have any kids. They're all, they all have paws. So the the animals, I do a lot of animal rescue, foster, stuff like that. Why haven't you done more songs? Even if it's not directly saying no shit, there I was in this car accident, but just more stuff that stemmed from that is there a reason we have songs that haven't been released okay um i have songs they haven't i haven't released them it's because it's probably due to that weird um it's it's the self-conscious part but it also has to do with the world after covid so i have a bunch of songs that i haven't released yet um and it's just about the, the the pressure of putting them out there with the branding and the video and the this and the that um mm. and um so I do have them. I do write songs. I mean, I have, I, I probably have like 200 songs I haven't even recorded, but I have really? songs that are recorded. Oh yeah. I have, I have notebooks upon notebooks, upon notebooks of songs that, you know, I'll write them and I just put them down. Um, but recorded, I have, I have a good four that are recorded that I could put out like tomorrow if I made a video and did the brand oh. and, you know, do the thing. Yeah, I just yeah. haven't done it yet. And I have a bunch I want to record with my cousin again that I need to get on. Um, it's just I'm kind of unmotivated due to the way of the world after COVID. What does that, that mean? So, well, I mean, it makes sense in in and of itself, but why does it, but why does it stop you from putting together the videos? Is it that you just think people won't be receptive? That it's just the world's it's different. So they won't be receptive. It's just that they don't see. They don't see. I mean, the the 
the oh. change with the algorithm that's ha- that started actually oh. in 2013 and has slowly changed. But then when the reset, the global reset during COVID has taken place, it's really the censorship has happened. And if you were, um, let me back up. For example, the guy that I did this record with, Alfonso Rachel, okay, he wrote this whole, my last album, he wrote the entire album. He just wanted me to sing on it. So he wrote, he played every instrument and I just wow. sang. Wow. Alfonso, for those people who follow politics and stuff like that, he was actually technically the first black conservative. So before it was like huh. cool to be a conservative, he was, and he was like all the, he was on PJ media, PJ TV. He used to yeah. have Zonation. He was on like, huh. he's got the Zoloft. Um, he got deplatformed by YouTube. He got, um, you know, Facebook basically you can see nothing. I mean, he used to have like, he put a video up on YouTube and like in a week it would have a million views. And then he got deplatformed and like, it just, wow. you know, that happened right before COVID to him, like in the year before COVID ish too. And it really started. And then just like nothing. He actually went off Facebook because because he didn't want to deal with it anymore. Um, and now he still has his YouTube page, but he um, his wife loads through her YouTube because they they totally censor him. Um, and so the change that took place during COVID, and it depends, you know, not to sound like a crazy person, but it depends on your level of awakeness. If you if you watch the news and you think that that's news and you think that that's what's going on, then you're not going to have noticed. If you're the kind of person that watches Dancing with the Stars and you think that, you know, the view is your friend and you, uh, you know, believe in propaganda as science, then you probably haven't noticed what's happened. But if you but are, are awake, but your songs you, about that, I mean, but would people, people would no, still. No, my songs aren't about that, but the change in the way media is, uh, the way that media is delivered. So here's the thing, like, it's not like I could just, hey, put a video up on Instagram yeah, right, and everybody's right. going to see it. Right. That's not really what happens. That can happen on TikTok, but that's about, you know, some sensational thing, like something that's a serious product. Unless you have money to spend on the promotion and the advertising, like you're not seeing things in your feed because it's organic. You're seeing it because it's paid advertising, you know, like the guy that does lines with not lions, not sheep. That's he's paid advertising. That's how he got his t-shirt business started. Like everything is advertising. Artists do it. Independent artists do it. The labels do it. So it's not the way that you see content is not because it's good. It might be good, but it's it's not organic in the way that it's being presented to you. So my motivation to do that is less than it was before the world of COVID because of the change in the world, I guess. And the change and the polarization of people and their relations, because, um, you know, you have people. Well, it's really coming down to the algorithm and coming down to what people are seeing, right? The algorithm, but it's also the change in the world. It's the change in the world. It's the change in, um, I'm trying to think of how to put my words so that they're not polarizing to people. Um, Well, I mean, I think, let me, let me throw this out here. It sounds like, I mean, certainly there's a lot of polarizing subjects that have split people, but when it comes to your ability, oh, 100%, 100%. Oh, absolutely. But then with that said, for your music, though, to see the light of day and to find uh, the receptive audience, is it 
people just have it to seems see like it. it's the, they have to see it. And it's really then that comes down to the technological changes that have happened more than the yeah. split and the fragmentation, you know, in, in terms of yes, politics and, then and you social add the split policy. And the that. fragmentation. So here's the thing. My music is not political in any way, shape, matter, or form. I write about life and I write about right. feelings and stuff. We the People is the only song that's remotely political. And it's just about the Constitution. It's not about left or right. It's about right and wrong. Right. Right. And it's not political. I happen to have a political opinion and I'm not. Um, oh, and so because of that. So because mean, of who I am as a person and I've done podcasts and artists uh, and any more people are offended by everything. It's it's and now it's not just offended by everything political wise. It's health wise. So now uh, the world yeah. after COVID, if somebody knows that you think this. Right. Or, oh, you can't listen to Children's Health Defense. They're a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists. Or like, oh, or, you know, I listen to science. Oh, well, guess what? If it, if you can't question it, it's not science. It's propaganda. And, you know, you've got, I never in my lifetime thought I would see people in families. I won't see you if you're not vaccinated. I will not talk to you if you don't have a mask on. I will not. The world that we have experienced in the last two years is like, Bat shit crazy to like level a hundred. People have lost the ability to think for themselves, and they're just regurgitating propaganda. And it just yeah, so it makes I, me want to disconnect from the world. That so that's that's what I'm, what I'm trying to explain. Yeah. So I mean, because that's a big. I mean, that's a spiritual shift, and I don't think you're alone in that. I think a lot of people no. are feeling that way that they want to disconnect and unplug. Because they're like, look, I, I don't know if I have, if I have friends out there, I don't know if, I don't know if the world's, I don't know if I, how I interact with this world. That I think exactly. is a really, Did that's a, that's a devastating, his interview? not, not totally. No, no. Oh, I mean, no, uh, he didn't tell you anything about that. Um, It was elliptical. No, no, there wasn't, um, uh, no, we didn't dive into it. I, I needed you. Did he tell you that he's a service connected veteran? That he has not been able to get care at the VA for two years. He has a service-connected injury that he's being treated for. He has a screw in his left yeah. shoulder, his dominant yeah. arm, and he has not gotten care in two years. He cannot go into the VA. We've talked to our congressperson. We've talked to everybody. Um, nobody will do anything. I can't find a lawyer. Um, in fact, I emailed um, Davis R. Younts, the guy who won the case for the Navy SEALs, I don't know if you, I don't know how much you've been following or I don't know even no, what your views are about cases. this, but yeah. um, they were, they were trying to get, um, the military was trying to get rid of them because saying they were being insubordinate because they would not take the vaccine. And oh, so 15 yeah, of them gotcha. joined together and they sued and the gotcha, law firm gotcha. was Davis yep. R. Yance, who's also a veteran. He's in Pennsylvania. I finally emailed him and he's one of the only attorneys who emailed me back. And he was like, so upset to hear about what happened with Keith's story but he's embattled in their lawsuit and he's got his own issues because they're trying to take away his benefits yeah. and, and yeah. status because he's a veteran. And so anyway, it's, it's, it's just, it's, well, it, but it's I mean, but I think, insanity. but I, th I think this is, this gets to something that I think is a real, I mean, this is something I, I didn't know we were going to go here, but I think you're touching on something that's a real, uh, told you I didn't have rail. a filter. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's that it's that I think um the sense, because what I'm hearing is an artist, a talented artist, 
who is at complete disconnect because of technological changes and of the world around. And I wonder how many people are like you where it's almost like your light is not you're self-censoring because it's like, God damn, I, I can't, I can't keep running into a brick wall with this. And that, yes. and I think there's, and I, cause I can see it. And I know you said before, you know, with the accidents that you feel, um, you know, angry, like something was taken away from you. And that's what I hear. I hear the frustration. I hear the anger and I get it. And I feel like that's a great, it's funny. Cause you talk about your path and you know, what, why things have played out the way they have. I do think it's interesting that you, I think, are speaking to something that I think a lot of people can relate to. And I actually wonder if perversely you're the right vessel at the right time for that message and for people to have a sense of hope. And that, I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm rooting for you, so it's in my interest to say this, but I wonder if now is actually the right time for you to find that market because I think there are people that share that disconnect. Um, and I don't mean politically. I, I don't, people, I think across the political spectrum, people with views 180 degrees different from yours, I think feel the same disconnect. I don't think it's rooted in an ideology, but I think it is that sense of 2022, um, the disconnect a lot of people feel in the world. And I think that actually, that maybe there is a lot of value that you, especially your work that reflects on your personal trauma. And I think that, that to me seems like that would have a great market share right now because people can relate to it. And instead of looking at you for your views, they're looking at you as shit, this person suffered in a way that I can relate to and look at where she is now in 2022 coming out of COVID with all the ups and downs of that and the politics involved in that. I think there's actually a lot of purchase in that. I think that's actually a really strong sound like you're, I'm your manager right now, but like that yeah. actually, but it sounds, but, it, but, but I mean, it, it, it legitimately sounds like that. That's, I mean, that, that's something I think you're touching on that seems to have a lot of value. I think to people in general, I'm certainly just, feeling a degree just, of that, but I think you're touching on something very, very common and something very empathetic. Well, here's the thing when that, um, right at the beginning of COVID, um, my, um, a dog that we had rescued Pepe, you might, you might be able to actually see him back there. He's on my, I don't know if you can see him or not. He's back there. Uh, I'll find him on my phone and show him to you. Uh, We rescued him a little Tibetan spaniel when he was 10 at the Manhattan kill shelter. I was supposed to just foster him, make a very long story short. Um, he was a fucker dog. And he he would bite. He was a fear biter. He was terribly abused. He, was he had what, burns wait, on him. What's the name of it? I call him a little fucker dog. He was a fucker dog. Oh, okay. He was like a little ass, the like, worst is that an official you term? Can imagine. Okay. <laughs> um, he he was not adoptable. And yeah. the reason that we ended up keeping him was because it was not, I felt it was not his fault that he was abused. And so right. I I changed that dog that everybody said that could not be changed by loving him. And I showed him love. And so after about four years of him, and he was 10 years old when we got him at least he, um, he changed. I have a blog about him. Um, and he lived to be about 18 or 19. So the beginning of COVID in the last two years of his life, he was blind. I had to carry him to the bathroom. He had dementia. Mm. So at nighttime he would go around the house in circles and he would ulcer his eye. I had to, you know, cook his food for him. He used to get weekly Adequan shots. I love that dog. Anyway, um, 
he he crossed right before I had the vet come to the house and cross him right as COVID was starting. And then the, an interesting story that's also in the blog is that I feel like Pepe and God sent us another little tibby to rescue the day after, which I never ever would have done in a million years. But it was a, a black Tibetan spaniel, which the blacks are rare. He was a 30 miles away. He was born on the day that Keith and I got married. It was just too oh, many wow. coincidences. And wow. somebody tagged me in a post on Facebook in a tibby group. And they were like, you got to see this dog. And I'm like, what? And I had always said, I wonder how Pepe could have been if I had got him sooner. And so it's really cool. It's like Milo was living the life that Pepe had. Milo wow. was two when we got him. He's four now. Anyway, mm. so Pepe got put to sleep. COVID happened. And just something in my spirit didn't sit right from the beginning. And I just, everything, I mean, I can't, I can't, we don't have enough time to go into my views about this, but I, all along, I was extremely disturbed about the masks because number one, you're made in the image of God. Okay. It says in the Bible, not to cover your face. This is the breath of life. So in common sense is your lungs are an excretory organ. You're not supposed to breathe out what you just breathed in. I'm all about health and wellness. You know, I, I take a million vitamins a day. Um, that's how I've been 29 for several decades. It's, it's, I, 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 you know, I'm all about health and wellness. I am in control of my health. You are in control of your health. I am not responsible for your health. You are not responsible for my health. If you want to eat McDonald's every day and drink, that's your, uh, your thing. I choose to stay alkaline. I choose not to drink alcohol. I choose to get eight hours of sleep a night. That's my choice. If you, I believe that if you feel like somebody's going to make you stick, sick by standing six feet away from you and breathing, that is your mental illness and you need to get some help for that. That is not science. That is not medical science whatsoever. That is psychosis. So the whole thing bothered me. The masks, you can't, you know, you can't communicate with somebody. This is, right. the, uh, there's well, a no, whole the generation of the, the that are yes. damaged yes. by those masks. Yeah. And what the problem was for me was I have a TBM. Okay. That's a sensory processing disorder. Mm. Now you cannot tell by looking at me or Keith that we have a TBI. That doesn't mean I don't have a TBI. I don't need to carry around my neuropsych and my DTI MRI to show some 18 year old at target. That's telling me to put a mask on that. I got a medical condition. And for us, the two years of COVID more so the year and a half of the real psychosis part of it, was a living hell nightmare. Um, we have been verbally assaulted. We've been nearly physically assaulted. We're banned from Jeep. I'm banned from the vitamin shop. In every vitamin shop in the country, mind you, I've been shopping there for over 20 years. Um, I have been, he's not been able to get treatment at the VA. Um, I've lost friends. I've got you know people that I used to sing at for the county all the time. They won't even talk to me anymore because of the stuff I was posting on the internet because they are um, you know uh, pharma- propagandists. They just believe everything that is, you know, why anybody would believe a company that is habitually with criminal, the largest criminal fines in history, habitually over and over and over again, has your best interest at heart. I'm sorry, you're not using your rational brain. You're not thinking logically. So for me, and again, here's the thing. If somebody, if it makes them feel comfortable to wear a mask, have at it. If it makes you comfortable to stay in your house and be away from society, have at it. There was a pandemic before the constitution was written. It's not in there for a freaking reason. I'm going to say it better. It's not in there for a fucking reason. They knew what they were doing. There is a freedom and people all of a sudden decided, oh, I'm scared. You know, it's literally the same thing as saying, 
you have to put a purple shirt on before you come into my store because that's what makes me feel good. No, you're a public accommodation. You're open to the public. You have to offer fair and equal access to everyone, regardless of your feelings. Feelings are not facts. And for us, nobody read the mandates. The mandates had a medical exemption. And so the problem is nobody would read them. And so I've been outspoken battling. I never wore a mask the entire time of COVID. Never, ever, ever. I didn't get medical care at all until just very recently because I was not dealing with it. I am the outspoken person. There's there's well, a thing about the boiling frog about the masks. That's just, that's me. It's not just yeah. a mask. It's it's so much more than a mask. And there's so many um, parallels. If you ever talk to a Holocaust survivor, they're absolutely horrified by what's happened in the last two years because it's the same thing that's happened. You have people that won't talk to family members. You've got you know children. Well, the divisiveness, definitely. Parents. Yeah, the divisiveness is definitely. You can't see your yeah. unless you get vaccinated. Yeah. Like, it's all, well, you I know, do we, you, I'll yeah. do me. And if that makes you feel yeah. good, then good. But why do we have to have it be so polarizing? I'm not going to let you come in my store. Yeah. I'm not going to see you, you know. Well, and this, this is why wrong. I say, I mean, uh, without getting into the, the, the public health debate too much, because that's, not my, I have opinions, but it's not my area of expertise that I would probably, you know, uh, give too much of a speech about. But what, what I do think is it's interesting. I, I just, what moves me the most about your story is the cross purposes you find yourself at with the world. And I think that's something that counterintuitively a lot of people can relate to. Um, I know for me, because it affected everybody. Well, it affected everybody, but I mean, I think there was also a sense of, I mean, like, look, I mean, in the military, I'm, I'm used to getting a lot of shots for things that I don't know what the fuck they do. I'm used to being a pin cushion for me. Mm-hmm. The mask wasn't a big deal. I don't have a TBI. It, it's a, it's a different calculus. I was like, okay, I get it. It's a public health thing. I got it. Can I do this for my neighbor? Fine. I think for me, um, and I'll just share i'll open my veins up a little bit here on this i um i came back from afghanistan in october 2020 and i came back to a country that i was like what the fuck and it was and 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 covid (laughs) was actually for me covid was the least of it covid was a real pain in the ass but i was like but the mandates and the rules and all that i could see arguments both ways and i think coming from afghanistan I had a deep and healthy appreciation for not getting sick with weird shit that came from China. Uh, like I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good either way, but I, I could see as time went on, I I'd see how the policy changed and all that. The big point I'm getting at that I think is the one thing I will stand on a rock about is that I definitely, since I've been back, it's been the whole time. Um, it's it, it's taken a while to feel like, where the fuck am I? Like Afghanistan was normal to me at that point. I came back. I was like, America just seems weird. It's not, it's not the home. Totally I different. Totally different. Totally like different. everything is night and day. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that, and I know that, yes, I have political beliefs and, 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 and ideologies and all that, but it doesn't even matter. I know people that I 100% disagree with to feel the exact same way. And I'm yeah. like this, and I'm like, that's kind of the big joke is that regardless of what you believe, nobody's fucking happy. 
Um, no. and, and that sense of disconnect. It's such a point. I never know how these conversations are going to go. And I never would have guessed this is where we're going. It's more the censorship. I guess it's more the censorship. It's the censorship and it's, but it's also, but it's also the personal and for lack of a better word, the spiritual, and I don't mean religious, but the spiritual disconnect where we feel like there's no commonality, where we look around and we go, there's no, there's no benchmarks. There's no familiar landmarks. And I have, and, and I'm, I'm hemorrhaging commonality with my fellow man whether it's being prevented because you don't feel it because there's a mask on and you can't relate to people or whether it's something where on the flip side of the coin, people go, how are you not, how are you so inconsiderate to not consider my health? Whatever it is, it's a disconnect between that commonality and the barrier that comes up where people go. And I know people very far in the, in the safety and, and, and COVID awareness camp that go, I cannot leave the house. And I know people that are on the other side and go, I can't fucking leave the house because everybody hates me because I don't wear a mask or don't want to get vaccinated. It, but everybody's feeling the disconnect. And that's what I think the commonality is. And I think it's interesting because you are a singer and you are somebody that does your trade, your craft is practiced in a public setting that is communal, that is there to bring people together. And yet this is where the demon strikes. This is where the arrow lands is on well, what's going to tear it's us by apart. Design. It's by design. And, the, and it depends on your level of awakeness. And, and, and so here's the thing, your spirit, whether you're Christian, whatever you are, you're, you have a spirit. It goes six feet in front of you, six feet above you, six feet around you. It's a bubble. So when you get six feet away from somebody, you cannot connect with their spirit. Okay. And so we're, I'm all about medical freedom. If somebody wants to stay in the house and not go outside and not wear a mask and get a shot and 5,000 boosters, have at it. It's your human right to do that. But it's also my human right not to take an experimental shot that has a VAERS list that goes a mile long. And, and, and no, I, yeah, no, I, I, I get you. I get you. I and mean, I shouldn't be yeah. demonized because of what I believe. And I don't demonize just as I don't demonize somebody who's on the complete opposite spectrum of me. I believe that they're a human being and they have the right to feel that way. What I find a problem in, and I guess I just, the click for me is there's people that are actually actively doing this behind the scenes. There are people who are in control of the media. It comes down from the top. They control the media. They control the arts. They control entertainment and all the messaging is programming. And so they are keeping us separated. And the state of this world is when you came back from Afghanistan, you're like, what the fuck country am I in? Because the state of the world is like completely different than it's ever there's been. Just, it's there, no, there's, there's so much. And I, and I, I think without getting into a whole nother subject um, that you broach that you broach with uh, media and messaging and cross-platforming with all that, I do think my biggest takeaway is I hope you do find the motivation to release your stuff. I think knowing the story, knowing the trauma that you've been through and what you've managed to accomplish in spite of it, what you've managed to overcome, I do think there's a, just like your manager said, your, your break is with your trauma. Uh, but I think, and I, you know, I think there's a, a more than a modicum of truth to that. I think your story is interesting and relevant more so now than ever. 
and especially based on what you're feeling and the disconnect that's out there. I think Everybody a lot of people would gravitate it. Yeah. to it. I, I think I think now's the time for art for and specifically what you're offering more than ever. So yeah, I hope that. Well, I, I did just release my my uh, red, white, my and bluesy bluesy. Yeah, talk, talk my red, red, white, and bluesy. Yeah, talk about red, white, and bluesy. Talk about that. Red, white, and bluesy is uh, with Alfonso. Um, I did not press the CD for it yet, so I can't hold it up and show it to you, but we're not on video anyway. Um, Alfonso, actually, the funny thing is we did the song like back in 2013. Um, really? And we just oh. put a YouTube video up of it, blah, blah, blah. But then people have always asked me, can I get that on iTunes? Can I get that on iTunes? Can I get mm. it? I'm like, no, we just have a video for it. And I actually recorded the vocals in my basement. So I was like, okay. Wow. Well, and we just decided just because we had did this record together that we released and whatever, I think it was September or August of 2020. I can't even remember now. Um, but it took us like five years to finish that record because wow. he's in LA and I'm here. But he just uh, recently moved gotcha. to Texas. But um, we just did Red, White, and a Little Bluesy and we released it because, you know, it's just a different take on the anthem. I had a really nice comment the other day from um, actually uh, Larry Newman from the, oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah. Orange County from Vet, Vet to Vet. Vet. Yeah, because yeah. the guy who took over was gone and I had emailed him about something and then Larry emailed me back and I was like, oh, you might like to listen to this, blah, blah, blah. And um, he said, that's, I forget exactly what he said, but he said something like that is the most unique version of the anthem I've ever heard in my life. And I really like it and blah, blah, blah. So it that's was really awesome. nice. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. It is. It's a great yeah. version and it's fun to see you having fun with it. And, um, yeah. and I'm glad it was out there. Uh, I'm glad you put yeah. it out when you did. It was what I want to do well is timed. I want to do an album actually of, I haven't done it yet, but, and actually I was trying to do this before COVID, but then COVID happened. Um, because I've been doing so much singing for like veterans groups and military groups, and I wanted to do a record with all of the branch songs, okay, but mm. in a timeless, like Nat King Cole, oh, wow. Frank Sinatra way, all the branch songs. That's cool. You know, and maybe do yeah, yeah, yeah. and God Bless America on the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't do that. Yeah, I was going to do it through sponsorship. But then, of course, COVID happened. And so then all my yeah, right, people right. that I was going and meeting with all the time, you can't do the meetings anymore and you know half the time people are like they ask me to sing at something and then i show up and like they're pissed off because i'm not wearing a mask and it's like how am i supposed to sing with a mask on yeah, like yeah, yeah, really yeah. let's yeah. let's be serious now but um, no what a what so, a fucking grind jesus ava listen do you realize we've done two hours <laughs> i told you i talk a lot no it's fucking great are you kidding i love it it's like cheating i talk it's a lot. just like I it's like you. this was such so little work i i can't even tell you it was just it was great to finally be able to sit down and talk. And um, yeah, this is, um, I'm so excited to see what happens for you going forward. Um, as I say, like, I, I can feel it. I can feel the frustration and, uh, and, and the anger. And it's like, man, fucking channel that shit. That is fucking gold. That there's, there's something there and you're speaking to something that I think a lot of people are going to relate to. I, I, I can't wait to see what you churn out from that because you have a gift. And now that when life pops up, I think it's implicit. It's, it's incumbent on people with gifts to factor those to life put events it out there. to put it into their fucking gift, like channel it. If yeah. you're a plumber, then you'd go fucking fix, do your plumbing yeah. with it. It's like, Hey, this is what yeah. you do. I, I, th I think there's a story there and I think there's a market there for it. Um, you fucking rock. I love you and Keith, you know that. And, uh, thank you. You know, this is a blast. Let's do this again sometime. And remember, 
anytime you guys have anything coming up or anything like that, it's always my honor and pleasure to sing for our veterans, no matter what they think about anything, because <laughs> I love you guys. And um, it's actually one of my dreams is to do a USO tour one day. That you know? makes tons of sense. That makes you know, I love, I love, I just, I love, I just, I don't even have enough words. Like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people in the entire world is David Goggins. I think he is such an inspiration, his story. You know, I, I don't think our veterans get enough um, respect. I don't think people really even understand what it means to be in Afghanistan and just like live every day, let alone have to carry all the shit you got to carry and, and do your job. It's just, it's, I don't think people, they say the land of the free because of the brave, but I don't think they really comprehend the meaning of that. So for me, I always want to sing for our vets. Well, we we love you for it. And, um, you know, listen, uh, you're, you're a huge part of the veteran community here, you and Keith are, and and it's, um, it's great to be able to sit and talk with this and, you know, on, on behalf of me, I'll just say thank you because I love having you guys around. And You're welcome. We're a richer artistic tapestry, certainly locally, but for everyone that knows you nationally, for you guys being here. Cool. That was the savage wonder of Ava Aston. Had a great time talking with Ava. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know we get we got very political and health issue related there, which is, as I said up front, not the wheelhouse of this show but hey if it's on the artist's mind we're going to talk about it and um <clears throat> i really hope ava gets into the damn studio soon and starts recording i think it's poison for an artist to have a lot of pent-up frustration and concern and uh and passion and not channel that into their art so i hope she does very soon and uh yeah and when she does we'll have her back on and we'll talk about it all right other stuff that you guys should know um, the parlor is revving back up. So if you're in the greater Cornwall, New York area, stop by one of these Saturday nights. Let me take that back. Don't stop by. We won't have tickets. We're always sold out. But if you can plan in advance, buy your tickets now. They're pay what you can tickets. Buy them. Come check out the show. Um, we have uh, Joshua Harmon's 2018 Drama Desk award-winning play admissions uh, that is going up throughout September. Outside of that, there's a bunch of stuff we're doing. We have a lot of plays in development right now, which is very exciting. It's a lot of work for us, but it's nothing I can really talk about. It's nothing you guys can consume just yet. We have some very cool things just around the corner, but I can't talk about them yet either. Um, there, oh, I know what I can give a shout out to. On September 22nd at the KGB Bar in New York City, our good friend Anthony Roberts, who's been on the show, is has gone out of his way to throw us a fundraiser, which is very cool. If you are in town in New York City on or about September 22nd, come on down to the world-famous KGB bar on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, Funny story, true story, I performed there many times in the late 90s. I think the last time I was actually there was 2000, God, 2003, I believe, either 2002 or 2003, I was there. Anyway, so that was the last time I was there. So I'm looking forward to being down there. Um, but we have a great, uh, Anthony's put together a great roster of artists, of writers um, and poets, uh, spoken word folks that are going to perform there, uh, all veterans in the arts. Um, it's just going to be a very cool night. 
Um, we're going to expect to see a lot of, you know, old friends and new friends out there. So uh, if you're around, come on by. It is a, a fundraiser for us. Um, I should probably know who the other beneficiary is. There's another beneficiary as well, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, anyway, uh, point being, come on down. Uh, we'd appreciate your uh, seeing you there uh, for many reasons, not the least of which it is a fundraiser for us. And um, as a nonprofit, we always appreciate that. And thank you to Anthony. It's a really uh, sweet, kind gesture of him to do that. Certainly has its own mustache twirling uh, ends uh, to that mean. He is uh, will be performing, and uh, and you know I think he uh, I think he really enjoys the live performance. So uh, I'm, I'm glad he's going to be there, and I really appreciate him taking the time, making the effort to do that, um, especially on our behalf. Okay, that's all the. Pl- dirty capitalistic plugs I have for right now. If you're not following us online, do so. Uh, Probably Instagram and Facebook are the best ways of staying up to date with what's going on with us. So check us out at Veterans Repertory Theater on Facebook. That's at Veterans Repertory Theater. I know nobody knows how to spell repertory. It's R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, Veterans Repertory Theater. That's on Facebook. On Instagram, we're at Vet Rep Theater. Much easier at Vet Rep Theater on Instagram. So check us out. Those are really reliable ways of finding out what's going on with us. But if you really want to be in the loop, if you really want to know what's going on, um, because usually our social media is reactive, it's after the fact. But if you want to know about stuff before it happens, best thing to do usually is just subscribe to our literary blog, the Savage Wonder Literary Blog, and you will get um, shameless plugs uh, attached to each of the veteran writing samples that we send out every day. And that's a great way to stay on top of what is going on with us and what stuff is there for your consumption. Uh, best way to get onto the literary blog, go to vetrep.org, go to the now playing tab, and you will see the link to subscribe to the literary blog. Again, our website is vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. And on that note, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.